Hello, welcome once again to You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. And in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you? I'm tired, Phil, but I'm here. How are you? Doing all right, doing all right. You know, it's funny, Mike, uh, you just came back from Disney, and the day you hugged Chewbacca, uh, my... Wife's one of my wife's best friends was down there with her family, and she hugged, or, or I should say, her kids hugged Chewbacca the same day you did, actually, the same in front of the same that uh, slut Chewbacca. Isn't that weird? Total coincidence. It, it, it is very weird, and I'm wondering who picked up whose germs. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Huh? Chewbacca yeah. picked up everybody's germs. Oh, that's true. Um, so, uh, Eric, what, what is this podcast for new listeners? <laughs> this podcast is You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, we are currently in the final season of Game of Thrones. Uh, we just finished, uh, we're about to talk about episode three of season eight, which means, whoa, we're halfway there. Um, yeah, we're getting there. Final yep. season. That's true. Well, uh, not, this- not all of us are getting there. <laughs> So some of us didn't quite make it. That's true. That's true. Uh, so uh, for folks who are confused about this podcast, uh, yes, we do not have a website that is called You Know Nothing, John Snow, Game of Thrones podcast. Instead, we are under the umbrella podcast of DarkDiscussions.com. DarkDiscussions.com is a podcast that myself, Mike, and Eric have been doing since 2011, where we do a podcast weekly with also two other co-hosts. And that talks about genre and horror and cult films. Uh, we critique and dissect. Uh, so rather than create a brand new website and Facebook group or email, we just use darkdiscussions.com as the website for this podcast. There's a uh, page on that uh, website for You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. Also, uh, the Dark Discussions podcast Facebook group is where we have all our You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast uh, listeners, they join our Dark Discussions podcast Facebook group, and you can email here darkdiscussions at aol dot com, which is the official email also of this podcast, and we do have a couple of emails tonight. Um, also, uh, there's two ways you can uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, the first is through Dark Discussions podcast feed, which can be found pretty mer- pretty much wherever podcasts are found, such as Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. Um, and on that feed, you'll get this podcast, but also our other podcasts, such as Dark Discussions. So if you want to hear me, Mike, and Eric more than just on this podcast, you can listen to us on the Dark Discussions feed as well, and you'll get this podcast as well as Dark Discussions. Or you can simply, uh, so I guess, um, subscribe to You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast, which, again, can be found at all places podcasts are found. So you have two options. Uh, so that's pretty much that. Um, so we do have uh, a couple of emails and uh, a few posts on Facebook. Uh, actually, a lot of posts on Facebook, the Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group. Uh, but there was one that I did want to uh, read for sure because uh, there's, there's so many that they get lost in the shuffle. But um, I'll try to find it. Uh, but we do have an email from someone in Canada, Eric. <laughs> we do. Uh, Mr. Sean Fox has written to us again. So we're going to hear what the Fox says. What does the Fox say? Ding, 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 ding. 
my, can one catch their breath after the madness of this episode? By the way, spoilers. <laughs> Just so everybody knows. Uh, don't know why you'd be listening to this if you hadn't seen the episode, but this email has all the spoilers. So here we go. Oh, by the way, hey gang, and holy bleeping bleep bleep, was that a nerdy roller coaster of emotions? From some of us still recovering from the events in Avengers Endgame to this near eight-year wait for the Miguel Sapochnik mastery and tapestry that graced our screens. If anyone thought Hard Home was tragic, this was Hard Home on the meth and the Red Bull, LOL. Death was never far from the screen, but for the people like me, more worried about Ghost, Regal, and Drogon, and... Oh, and my man Tormund, or like Phil, the soon-to-be Queen Sansa, winky face. All of them, Ghost, Dragon, and Rhaegal, made it to see episode four in the trailer. I checked. Uh, Viserion Hello. was screwed from the start, being named for Viserys. But he went out like a bl- boss, blue flaming death breath like it was going out of style. The mortal superstar of this episode had to be Arya doing what no other could, like when Ewan uh, took down the Witch King of Angmar at the Battle of Pelnor Fields. Arya showed her training was worth it, even if her journey at times bored on or annoyed Phil. And she would be great at parties if you need lots of ice chips. Um, the undead superstar was the Night King standing up to dragon breath and chuckling, raising the dead like no one's business, including the ones in crypts. Woohoo! For the crypts being the safest place in Winterfell. Uh, go to the crypts, they said. Safest place in Winterfell, they said. Hope they can get a refund from Team Stark after this. Seeing White Ed, Lyanna, etc. was terrifying and very sad. Lyanna going out and killing a giant just before as a true heroine and legend of the North. I will say seeing Melisandre, cue Eric's, she's a witch! Uh, light the Dothraki weapons, light a trench, and then light the fire within Arya, the Night King Slayer, was fantastic. My lowest moments go to Danny, who almost got Drogon killed multiple times. She obviously went to evil queen school, because of her gloating as Drogon went all Dracarys, only to have the Night King laugh and throw his damn ice spear, almost hitting Drogon. Having Drogon almost got overwhelmed and swarmed by whites as she was all, wah, no one's bending the knee, no one is loving me. Then she gets Jorah killed, like Sam, who seemed to get more people killed than actual whites. Danny, you done lost your street cred with me. Uh, Miguel Sapochnik, you are, tr- you truly gave a ghoulish rendition of what a war between the living and the dead slash undead could look, feel, and be like. You are a genius, Miguel. I know a ton more happened, but I am only my second rewatch at roughly 11.33 p.m. Sunday night. All I know is this episode will be one of my top five in the entire series for sure. It'll be hard to top anything that happened in this episode, all the deaths, the emotional turmoil, and superb emotional musical score of Ermin Jawadi. Sorry, I have trouble with that name. Goodbye, Sir Dra. Goodbye, Ed. Goodbye, Theon. Goodbye, Liana Mormont. Goodbye, Beric Dendarian. Goodbye, Melisandre. She's a witch! Goodbye, Viserion, and goodbye, Misunderstood Night King. We barely knew you, but your long night is finally over. Hope you all enjoyed the episode as much as me. Sadly, only three more to go, and Cersei cannot be off soon enough by Arya, the Night King Slayer, and soon-to-be Cersei Slayer. Woohoo! 
Take care until next time. Sean from St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. Thank you, Sean. Yep, very good. Thank you, Sean. Uh, Sean's one of our big participants on the Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group and a big um, conversational starter with uh, the Game of Thrones. Um, so I'm glad he enjoyed that episode, and it turned out pretty much like he uh, hoped, it seems. Um, we do have another email. Uh, this one's from... Uh, Jason Storm. Jason Storm is another participant on our Facebook group, and he actually discovered uh, does the Big Scary Show. Uh, it's a podcast that's been around for over 180, 190 episodes, and uh, he's been uh, pretty active on our Facebook group recently with Game of Thrones back. Um, and so f- folks who find his podcast pretty much where any podcasts are found. Uh, and um, if anybody's going to scare as a care, they're usually there. Um they usually uh, have representation there. I know they've invited me on to some post scares podcasts in the past. Indeed, indeed, yes. Uh, and uh, there, there are uh, a couple of good guys there. Uh, it's two guys, right? Isn't it? Mike? It might be more, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if they all show up to scare as I care, but uh, uh, they do have representation there and uh, that's what counts uh and this is what uh, jason has to say uh, jason has to say uh, great show guys looking forward to your reactions to episode three or my unofficial title everyone gets covered in dead people the battle had some great horror elements from the zombie white horde to Arya in the library it really got a lot of heartbeats racing I was hoping after the episode we would be spared the Reddit Red Bull fan theories that time-traveling Bran would reset things or was actually was the Night King himself. I feel this one is the Game of Thrones equivalent of the Flat Earth theory. Uh, and everyone would have to wait for the books for their Night King theories, uh, but unfortunately, no. Already several poorly written blogs that Bran is evil or time-traveled to make a deal with the Night King because he warged too long and gave a funny look at the Night King. Not sure what look you were supposed to have for a 3,000-year-old zombie ice monster who is about to cut you down to fulfill a quest from his weird god of death, but whatever. Hope this week's discussion doesn't get too bogged down with questions about catapult placement and other things. Why didn't John tell Gentry less time oogling my sis and go make me a dragon glass tipped lance so I can fight an undead dragon and not look like Dirk the Daring at the end of the battle, uh, the hero from Dragon's Lair video game. Uh, Night King's war crimes, Danny war crimes. So he wants us to avoid those. And why couldn't anyone tell the Dothraki to not charge directly at the center of the undead horde they could not see? Oh, but and, that's how they roll. Right. Well, well, he says answer because that's exactly what Dothraki do. So you're absolutely right. Uh, time needs to be spent on the real questions, uh, such as what the hell happened to Ghost? Or what contrast level did my TV need to be at the... The, to be able to see the ice spiders that we couldn't see. Keep up the good work. Jason Storm of the big, Mike, big scary show. Come on, Mike, come on. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. No, that's all right. I'd put you on the spot. Uh, so uh, thank you, uh, Jason. Um, 
yes, I don't think we will be talking much about hopefully war crimes of Danny or Night King. Uh, yeah. So uh, there have been a couple of controversies surrounding this episode. I don't want to ignore them completely, but I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on them either. Uh, one is that it was dark. Um, yes, it was dark. It was nighttime, so it's supposed to be dark. Um, there have been a lot of people leveling accusations at the people that uh, made the show, that they didn't do it right, and it was too dark. Uh, well, first, I'm sure that a bunch of those people were watching this on their phone or their tablet, those people, I say, shut up. You don't deserve to see anything. You're not doing it right. Um, and uh, as far as the people actually watching it on a television, I'm pretty sure that the issue wasn't the way they shot it. I'm pretty sure the issue was that the Internet infrastructure in the United States uh, can't handle the bandwidth <laughs> to feed this as well as it should go to millions and millions of people watching it. Uh, I'm willing to bet that once we purchase it on physical media, like Blu-ray, it will look fantastic. So I think it was more of a streaming issue than a content issue. Uh, any major disagreements from either of you gentlemen on that? Maybe. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah um, I, I, I did see, uh, I think it was, I saw a few comments on this. Because now, again, I just got back from doing the, the class trip down to Florida. So I was staying in a hotel room. I could not adjust the settings on my television. Uh, I was also end of the night dead tired, so I couldn't. So trying to watch the show with my eyes being doing whatever they were was difficult. Uh, but there were a lot of people as I was reading those people who were watching it on cable, so it's not just internet. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody who you know has one of those friends, you know, who they who has like the who's like super picky about getting his TV just right, you know, mm-hmm. to get, and they watched it at the friends and they had to crank, you know, he was, the friend was pissed cause they were cranking the brightness all the way up and he was pissed that they were touching his settings, you know, in order to be able to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also argue, even if that's the case, first of all, it's bad sportsmanship, I guess, uh, it's bad PR to be saying, well, it's your fault. You couldn't see it cause you have a cheap TV. Well, you know, it's somewhat, some people out there who are supporting them, you know, can barely afford to pay for HBO every month, you know, let alone get a state of the art TV with a professional installer and, and setup. Um, you have to consider that you have, you really should be considering that in your presentation. And I think it was in well, slash slash film in their review, uh, commented, um, uh, made a, made a comment about, uh, the second Lord of the Rings films, the two towers, Mm -hmm. the cinematographer asked, was asked, uh, in the battle of Helm's deep, where did all the light come from? And the cinematographer replied the same place. All the music comes from, Mm -hmm. um, you, you have to, you have to light it well enough that people can follow what's going on. And, and, and I, and I also want to point out, it's not just lighting. It gets to editing. It gets to framing. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not honestly know at the end of the episode how many, if any, of the dragons had survived. Um, I have watched the scene of Arya passing a dagger a couple of times now to Sansa. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't tell what dagger she was passing. So I had originally thought that it was the Valerian steel dagger she was passing to Sansa. Oh, okay. Uh, Which it was, but that becomes obviously a critical plot point in the show. So that seemed like a massive plot hole at the end of the episode. 
it wasn't apparently i'm just going by what other people have said that it was a uh a dragon class dagger. i uh so. I, I understand everything you're saying uh at the same time i would argue that part partly um it was intentional and not i think i think part of the not being able to see what was going on was to try and put the viewer in the point of view of some of the characters as to the crazy shit that was going down. Uh, like I think that you can't see anything when they're on dragons trying to fly through a storm is completely intentional because those people on the dragons in the storm couldn't see anything. And they were trying to convey that. Right. So, and that was very obvious the way it was shot that you saw Jon Snow kind of going, you know, which dragon is that that I'm looking at? You know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, who is that? So yeah, some of that's absolutely intentional, but I think it may have been, too much for a 90-minute battle. Okay. I would agree with that, uh, Mike. I'm, I'm pretty much on board with you and some of the folks that had issues with seeing uh, what was going on. Again, I don't think it is the end of the world, as Eric most certainly has stated, which I agree that it isn't the end of the world. But I can see or at least sympathize with some folks who had this problem. I will say that I think because this episode and this probably this whole season has been hidden and under wraps for so long that maybe unlike other seasons or other episodes, uh, they did not have a, a viewing audience possibly to, to watch the episode an unbiased viewing audience to just see what they felt and give their thoughts back. And so if no one, if they didn't have a test audience that saw it and then they release it and then we have all these folks, uh, not everybody, but some folks, a good portion of folks saying they had issues with the darkness and seeing, then I think maybe um, that may have been one of the reasons why, quote unquote, a thing like this wasn't is, quality assurance. Uh, is it you know, normal for a television show to have a test audience? I don't know. That that's it's a good question, Eric. And I would think maybe they do, but because it's such I, uh, I have no idea, to be honest. Yeah, so but either way, um, it is a complaint that's out there, and okay. we we brought it up anyway. And and so we've we've discussed it, and we can move on. I just wanted to one more note, which is that I can completely understand from the point of view of the people that made the show. They spent fifty five days shooting this episode, so I can understand the the kind of impulse to flip a middle finger to people telling you you didn't do a good job because uh, there was a lot of work and a lot of effort, a lot of effort that went into it. So and if this was ten percent. Right. Then I would understand that it sounds to me, and I don't know what the actual numbers are, but it sounds like it's it's a, a significant portion. And, uh, I, and I don't know if it's a portion or just the well, the vocalness of them. Well, and also though, out of the people who have had the issue, obviously there's only a small, uh, there's always a, a small minority that are the loudest. But right. I, I would not. I wouldn't give the no, but out of but still a lot of other people felt it too. They're just not obnoxious about it, and so for anybody to give a figurative finger to a whole group of of fans, it's kind of um, biting, um, you know, the the person that's feeding you. And, and yeah, it's, it doesn't it's matter. It shows over. <laughs> it's, I, I, no, you're right. I mean, they, they're making their money no matter what. But it's just uh, an observation is all. I get you. I get you. All right, so let's move on from that. Okay. Um, uh, and I want to spend even less time on this next thing, uh, which is this whole uh, P- 
some people, the term Mary Sue has reared its ugly head. Uh, and some people are saying that there's no way that Arya could do what she did in this episode. Uh, and to those people, I say, you must have skipped a couple of seasons um, because Arya spent pretty much two seasons straight training as an assassin. So, yeah, she had the training and that's that. Yeah, yeah, I, I was hoping not to talk too much about the Mary Sue issue either, um, because um, I don't think it really applies. No, uh, it, it absolutely does not. Yeah, well, based on the, I think the problem is that people were using, have been using the term Mary Sue so liberally, or incorrectly, is the case that that it's become right, and it is not a term that's been around long enough or seen common use until about five minutes ago that people could, you know, say no, you're using it wrong, so people. Mm-hmm. So you've gotten well, now we have our chance. Hey, people, right. you're using it wrong. Shut up. Right. Bell, well, Bell is not. Anyway, let's move on. No, Mary Sue. Well, just so for future reference for people, Mary Sue is usually referring to an overly powerful character, male or female. Young. Who, who is usually yes. inserted into an established, usually inserted into an established story, overly powerful, better at all the established characters and sort of a self-identified um, like portal of entry character, right? The, uh, the writer inserting themselves in their own story. And one of the classic examples of this as a male character was Wesley Crusher on Next Generation, you know, who is named for Gene Roddenberry, whose middle name was Wesley, you know, who's just like this young, I know everything. And, you know, that was an example of that kind of character. And unfortunately, it's now just been used to any overly powerful character, which completely misses the, the central point of it. Um, and Arya, yes, is a powerful character, but it's an earned power, and she's right. also not a character without flaw. Right. Right. Um, so we've yeah, done that. We can move on. Well, and, and just for people who don't know what it is, because I had no idea what the, the term Mary Sue meant. I didn't even know the term existed until three days ago, um, and then I had to read it up on it. But the term Mary Sue comes from the name of a character created by Paula Smith in 1973 for her parody story, A Trekkie Tale, published in her fanzine, Menagerie Number no. 2. Uh, so the story starred Lieutenant Mary Sue, the youngest lieutenant in the fleet, only 15 and a half years old, and satirized unrealistic characters in Star Trek fan fiction. Uh, basically, these um, unknown characters, as Mike said, male or female, um, coming to the rescue of Spock, McCoy, and Kirk, and their heroes for the episode. And then at the very end, they die a heroic death, and everybody cries and, and is devastated. Um, so that's pretty much where the term comes from. Uh, at least that's what I read. Yeah, uh, if I had to guess, you're probably seeing a lot of that in Harry Potter fan fiction now. Um, sure. sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, now, uh, we do have a Facebook post I wanted to read from uh, Tommy Manila. Tommy Manila is one of our Finnish uh, listeners, from obviously from Finland. Uh, and he has to say this. He says, uh, the three-eyed raven doesn't need any flashy superpowers. He sees and he's made a trap for the Night King. Every action and move that was made lead to the point where Theon fought long enough have time for Arya to save the day. And Arya, or any other worshipper of the, a god of many faces, was only one was the only one who could kill the Night King. The thing that bugs me about the whole thing isn't that Arya did anything, but that Arya was a little bit too much due ex machina. And the whole thing felt like it was copied from Lord of the Rings, 
example, Eowyn, Merry, and Witch King of Angmar. So uh, that's uh, another uh, thing that will probably be brought up tonight um, about uh, do ex machina and or or if not that at least um, whether how they did it and could they have done it a little more um, I guess not mysterious I don't know we'll we'll, we'll discuss it's not a big deal um, let's see anything else anybody wanted to bring up prior to um, we we get into other things with the episode. Anything? No, Anything? let's get into it. All right. So this episode uh, is not called um, the Battle of Winterfell. It's actually called the Long Night. Uh, it's number seventy or third episode of season eight. Uh, Miguel Sapochnik is director, um, who's directed uh, many of the most important or most memorable episodes of Game of Thrones. And um, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss actually uh, co-wrote this episode as they have co-written the next three that are coming. Uh, It aired April 28th, 2019. We were recording on April 30th, 2019. And uh, that's usually one day later than we usually do. But as uh, Mike mentioned, he was in Orlando and we wanted to wait for him because he has a lot of uh, good things to talk about tonight and it would have been bad to not have them available um 12.02 million viewers and that's u.s viewers and that um is the largest of the three so far this season um and that's all i got um so uh, i guess we could discuss our feelings on the episode uh, so uh eric why don't we start with you um i liked it uh not quite as many people died as I thought we were going to. Um, but I enjoyed a lot of what happened there. There were a couple of, uh, couple of questionable moments. And, uh, quite frankly, I thought John and Danny were pretty useless. Um, so considering as they're supposed to be the leaders of the army, I kind of, I found that a little bit amusing actually. Um, but, uh, Several of the people that died had heroic deaths, which was cool. Um, I really liked pretty much everything that happened with Arya, uh, especially the library scene. Um, I liked the the beginning of the battle. I thought that was really well done uh, and kind of spine chilling. Um, I liked a lot of the dragon stuff. Some of it was a little meh. Um, and... Uh, I thought it was fairly unbelievable that a lot of the characters that did survive survived. Uh, in particular, Sam. Um, love you, Sam, but you shouldn't have been on the battlefield. You should have been in the crypts. Um, <laughs> but, but he's a man of the Night's Watch. Well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, overall, I'm not going to say this is a perfect episode because it's not. Uh, but overall, I certainly enjoyed it. Um, and there were particular moments uh, that I that I really loved. All right, very good. Um, yeah, your last statement pretty much sums up me, which is um, it's not my favorite episode. Um, maybe not one of my far, top ten favorite episodes because again, we have seventy episodes so far. But I enjoyed it all around. Generally, um, there was uh, some issues throughout that uh, anybody who wants to uh, go through the cesspool of hate known as social media will see 
uh, the various flaws that they felt occurred in the show or, or, or specifically with the characters or what, how they acted and so forth, which many of them are fair, even though it is from social media. Um, but generally, uh, I enjoyed it. Um, the, immediately, um, I, I decided to watch the credits roll rather than the um, background of the credits that we usually watch. And um, so it, it was uh, the normal people, uh, except for uh, Lena Haiti because she's not in the episode, but uh, Dinklage, Nicholas Wojcik, Costner, uh, Sophie Turner, Macy Williams, uh, Emily Clark, and then um, out of the blue, I saw Clarice Von Hooden, and I immediately texted everybody except you, Mike, because uh, I thought you were on the, the um, a plane or too tired or whatever. And I said, the Red Witch is going to be here. She's a witch. She's a witch. And uh, sure enough, uh, people stopped texting me because I was six minutes behind everybody else at that point because I had to immediately pause and do something. And then I came back six months later and I had like a bunch of texts. You were right. So that was kind of cool. Um, but uh, so that was cool. It was great to see her character back. Grease Von Hooden um, is a great actress, but her character is awesome, too. Um, so I think that was my high point of this episode was uh, the, the Red Witch and her story. Uh, so yeah, uh, it was a good episode. I thought, I thought it was a neat end for her. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, and, and the scene that was the best scene of the show, in my opinion, was uh, her one a scene that was she she was in. So, and we'll we'll discuss that when we get to it. Um, Mike. Yeah. So I don't want to keep bringing this up, but it is just to provide a little context. Um, usually, I watch the episode twice before we do the discuss it. Um. And I usually watch the behind-the-scenes stuff on the HBO Go app. Um, and I just have not had the time to do it because I was chaperoning this trip. I was lucky to get the episode in. And when I was watching it, again, I was dead tired after, you know, trucking around three, uh, six amusement parks for 14 hours a day for three days. Um, so if I miss stuff, I apologize. <laughs> I may have to ask for some clarification on certain plot points. Because uh, my memory also has been pretty hazy uh, at, uh, about everything that was going on. So that said, I like the episode. I didn't love it. We already mentioned the darkness issues. Um, it is kind of a disappointment because they've always kind of stuck the landing up to this point. Um, but if they've also, you know, unfortunately, they just this is just part of the problem of expectations. You know, this has been hyped up now for nine years because we took a year off. Um, it's been hyped up for so long that I don't know if it could have met expectations. Um, I made some predictions that were wrong. I'm fine with that. And I think I said that there were just, it's, that's what comes with trying to, uh, to guess. And they did some things that maybe were a little fan servicey. I'm mostly fine with those. I really don't have an issue with them because I think most of them came organically with the story. I, I was a little tired of oh, look, the character we love is going to die. Oh, look, the character we really kind of like is dead instead because they saved him. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that happens in quite a few moments. It really felt to me like they said, all right, let's list all the characters and importance for the show in order. And we're just going to start at the bottom of the list. And when we get to five, we'll stop there. Or six, you know, just, um, you know, so. Or seven, if you include the Night King. 
or seven, right? Yeah, but you, yeah, we, yeah. And so, I don't know. I'm not someone who says, well, there has to be like one of the big deaths because I've said I don't expect really any of the Starks to die. I don't expect uh, Danny to, to die this week. I didn't expect Varys to die because he didn't have any dialogue last week. Um, but I can't imagine all of these characters have important roles to play in the remaining three episodes left. Well, maybe some more will die. And some more, maybe some more will die, but I don't know. I felt like I would have liked more of a gut punch to this episode. Then can I ask a question? Did, did, sure. Or, um, and if you said no, I would ask anyway. <laughs> did Ghost survive? Uh, yes, but I only know that because I saw somebody post an article where they screenshotted the next week on and you can see them. Yeah, so this is sort of the the problem that, you know. Uh, it's, otherwise, as far as we know, he ran off into the night and we never saw him again. Right. Um, like all of season seven. Um, yeah, and this is part of the problem is there, there was stuff that would have been nice at the end. And I understand the point of immersing you in, immersing you in battle and capturing that. Uh, that uncertainty of of the fog of war, right? I get that. But by the end of the episode, it would have been nice to get a sense of who lived and who didn't, you know, because you are still in the end not capturing a real battle. You are telling a story. And so the idea, like, I had no idea which, if any, dragons were still alive at the end of the episode. Um, the fact that I don't know about Ghost. There were a couple of times where it was hard to make out exactly who the face of certain characters were in the show and I could have sworn that I'd already seen Ed resurrected as a white before Ed got resurrected as a white you know there were some people that saw a character dying that they thought was Gendry and it wasn't Gendry I understand where you're coming from at the same time I thought they did a pretty good job of explicitly showing the important things they wanted you to see like well, Ed being resurrected as a right and Leanna Mormont being resurrected as a white and uh, all that. Uh, I understand where you're coming from on uh, Regal and Ghost. Um, at the same time, depending on who you talk to, not everybody might consider those characters. Um, right. I get where you're coming from. Though. But, but, also, but there, there might, were people, like I said, who thought I, I wasn't well, one of the people who thought a character was that died was Gendry, and apparently. Well, it was, well if I could interject for a second, yeah. uh, Amy. Chef's Rain, who's uh, one of our big supporters on the Facebook group, she actually posted on the Facebook group for someone to instant messenger who died in the episode. And so I, I decided to do so. Uh, I assumed that she um, hadn't seen it and just, you know, was, was curious. And uh, so I told her, and then she asked me, did this person die or that person die? And then, like, Gendry, I said, I don't think so. But you never know, uh, and a couple others. And she asked about ghosts and the dragons and stuff. And then based off of how she was talking, she had watched the episode. So mm-hmm. she was in the same boat as you, Mike, where she just wasn't sure. And so you're not alone. Was, well, and again, it? some of it was, could, could have been my state of mind, but it was like, I had trouble with like Grey Worm. You know, Grey Worm was in a helmet most of the show. So they may have well, killed him off. And I he might have should have died, missed. but he didn't. Right. He, I, I, I agree with you completely, but I'm just saying it's – and you know what? That, that is something that happens in battle, right? You know, the war's over, and you go back, and who the hell survived? You know, because you mm-hmm. don't keep tabs on everybody. You know, but well, – uh, I have a feeling they're going to clean everything up at the beginning of the next episode, too. I'm sure they will. 
but right, I, that was the first thing I do. I said, did I miss anybody? And you know, turns out I didn't miss anybody. Um, right. Well, and well, and well, I also well, say well, I found even about her, you know. So, but I, I also found it a little annoying that every character that was saved seemed to be surveyed, uh, that was saved seemed to be saved by the most dramatically convenient character to save them. Sure. You know, Brienne was saved by Jamie, or you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, Brienne wasn't saved by Sam. You know, which would have been. I don't understand twist. why that annoys you, but whatever. Well, I'm just saying it's. <laughs> it, it's you know it is because it, if, if, if you're going for the chaos of the battlefield, then give us the chaos of the battlefield. Mm-hmm. You know, but and it was the fact that it was the same beat several times throughout the episode, and it was starting to get re- and, and no, it, it got for me repetitive. Oh yeah. Well, also, Mike, um, a few things that I saw as complaints, and I I can't disagree with those who complained, even though it is the cesspool of hate social media. Um, Folks were saying that people were were killed or survived at the very last minute, and we know that's a a plot. Well, how else is it going to happen? Galaxy Quest demonstrated that where, you know, at the last minute, or last second, they stopped the bomb or something. You know, it's it's satire. And unfortunately, Game of Thrones, at least to these some of these li- listeners, or, or not listeners, but but social media folk, were hoping that, or th- considered Game of Thrones better than the things that came before it. And so I see their point, and I see Mike's point as well, about who saved who, and that it was dramatic. And, and I think people just died. like complaining. And, well... You may be right, Eric, but again, if if they have a certain expectation of the show based off of what they feel the show has been doing for so many years, and some of them may be book readers as well, it's it's a valid point, even if I, you I don't think, think so. I disagree. Okay, and that's the point I tried to make in my article that I put up about movies, which is that expectations are on you, not on the content. Well, it's convention, and I'll I'll say this, and it's that. Game of Thrones buck convention early on and his embrace convention where as you went along. But there's a reason convention exists. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, can, it, it, it exists because it works. And we generally like comforting, uh, comforting stories in, in the end. You know, when you really analyze everything that happened to the big events in the Red Wedding or um, Ned Stark's being beheaded, their stories... There are plot elements that didn't come out of nowhere. They are built towards all the information telling you this is going to happen is within the story. It's just a question of we're not used to shows having the balls to go there. They didn't just kill Ned Stark arbitrarily as he was crossing the street. Mm-hmm. You know, or same thing with Rob Stark. The seeds are there. The seeds of their own destruction have been there the entire time for you to see. Well, and so you, you also need fine. to keep. I'm sorry. I, I thought you were wrapping no, up the saying, point. So, but there are other times you don't, I, you know, you didn't necessarily always have to have, look, if George is going to go out, he has to go out saving Danny again now, or, or I, I get that from a narrative point of view, but there are a lot of last minute saves that didn't always have to be the, the one dramatically appropriate person to do it. Cause I don't think it would have made that big a deal. You would have been just happy to see that person get saved. Okay. I'm just, it's, a, and, it, and basically all the, the good points, the, you know, uh, actually I don't think anybody mentioned, so I'll mention it. Uh, now that I think of it, uh, like the you know the uh, the, the library um, or the mm-hmm. battle with the uh, uh, Dothraki, you know there was a lot of that good stuff was already mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is uh, I really like the Tyrion Sansa stuff in the crypt. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Yes, there was one quote in particular that I 
really enjoyed. I don't know that I you know it's I don't I'm not saying they're getting hooked up or anything. I mean she she just lost Theon. Yeah, are they are they in thing. love or what? What the fuck's going on there? Sansa just gives her heart away, man. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Last week she's in love <laughs> with Theon. There was a look between them, and, the, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> well, well, you, you got to remember she's the type that that has been the people who have been good to her. She's been wears her her. Um, her emotions on the sleeve too, and and Tyrion and Theon and Brienne are, are people that have, you know, treated her more with more respect than they needed right. to or had to, and so she will always wear her that on her sleeve versus say other people like Danny or whoever who you know they're just other people to her. So it makes sense that she would be that way with Tyrion, and again that doesn't mean they're they're falling in love. They could, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that there. there was a significant look between them at one point where I was like, oh, ah, well, okay, we'll see what happens there. Right. You have, um, I think this is, I, I'm guessing this is sort of the fault of social media, uh, because as long as the internet's been around and I've been on it, you've had the phenomenon of shippers. Oh yeah. And so anytime any two characters have any connection whatsoever, there is a shipper. What is you a shipper? Know, or um, the, the, the relationshipers, the ones who sh- you know who want a relationship between this character and oh, that yes, character, yes. right? And so they 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 and they'll imagine things like even when the characters are like, you can't if you write something where the characters are best friends, doesn't matter. They want them in that relationship, you know. Right. And, um, like, and I'm be, sure I'm sure there are John and Sam shippers. Right. Oh, absolutely. And it could and it can be same sex. It could be opposite sex. It doesn't matter. I mean, the, the best example of that was probably the X Files, right? Yeah, and I, then that I always kind of found the one of the more grating elements of the X Files was that well, idea that okay. there's romantic tense, you know, t- tension with them because that was never a thing for me. It was the colleagues, coworkers that worked for me, but with the internet, shippers can find other shippers, and so you can get a community of John Sam sh- shippers, you know, um, and they want to you do know. that. And, Crazy. Right. And the idea that you can't have Sansa seeing Theon last week or, uh, you know, uh, Tyrion this week, uh, who are men who have been nice to her in a world where a lot of men have been horrible to her uh, and where she's been used and abused and quite literally um, since season one and two men who helped save her. Well, see, look at them with loving eyes. It doesn't mean I want to jump on her on their bones. Um (laughs) And I well, get and there it. was a line. There was a line where she said to him, "You were the best of them." And he says, "Isn't that a terrifying thought?" Um, and I, I wasn't clear as to whether uh, she was talking about people she's been married to uh, or the Lannisters. Is, I, I think uh, it applies for both. To be honest, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it does apply for both. That, that's true, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and then Tyrion being the you know levity that he always does and things makes that joke to just throw some levity in because obviously he knows he's not like like his sister so uh-huh. and, and i and i have i would have no not, not necessarily a big problem with with a relationship there necessarily but way too soon to be be rushing into that right right um because i think it would be a, a decent match for both of them in their own way although i would kind of hope that sansa could find somebody younger <laughs> Yeah, right. right. I, I don't want Tyrion to find somebody younger. Sansa's young enough. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, because he's he's like uh, he's our age, and and she's like twenty three or something. So, 
So that would be twenty-five year difference. She could, he could be her father. Um, well, and the favorite thing uh, of mine that Sansa said to Tyrion in the crypts is when Tyrion's saying that they should be up there and maybe they could see something that somebody else wouldn't. She says, "No, we can't do anything. That's the truth. The bravest thing we can do now is face the truth." That was a good line, yeah. <laughs> So she admits that she's useless. Well, that, that <laughs> I heard things on the internet from people, and they're saying there's um, the diplomats and the fighters, and then the problem was with um, the people in the middle, and and technically, um, being a diplomat doesn't necessarily mean you're useless. It just means you're useless when there's a battle going on. You just, you, you know, I have to interpret it that way, Phil. Well, you, you, you're purposely <laughs> doing it to just upset me. So yeah, yes. I, I understand. <laughs> um, okay. So here's my question. Who yeah. would be more useless Sansa on the battlefield or Brienne in, no, in negotiations? Oh, geez. That's a coin flip. You, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with, Sansa on the battlefield, and I'll say why is because Brienne saved Jamie and and last That's week. true. That's true. She did. Yeah. Okay, fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Um, uh, and and all, and it's and it's a lot easier to just say, and I guess in a in a negotiation, don't fuck it up. You know, just just <laughs> just just sit there, smile, nodly, and be quiet. You know, you don't. You uh, know. Also, did you say nodly. Also, uh, last well, I, yes, okay. Last <laughs> season when she told Jamie, "Fuck on her." And and he always thought of that, and he brings it up during the same episode or scene where Brienne is able to save him. Yeah. Speaking so of Jamie and Brienne, I was convinced one of them was going to die in this episode. And well, everybody happen. probably did. Yeah. Yeah, and well, Brienne had her death scene last week. She did. Like she, See, Brienne, she, she got... has completed her character arc. She's been knighted. She got everything she wanted. It was time for her to die, but she didn't. So. Brienne, you've just won the Super Bowl. What are you going to do? I'm going to die. That's kind of how this works. <laughs> well, yeah, right, right. Uh, um, you win the Super Bowl, and then you retire, and you never heard of it again. Um, and, like, Giants Bane was another one that I think mm-hmm. just disappeared. But, um, that, well, that was a, the thing, is that all these people I thought they were going to focus on, they really didn't. It was really a focus on just two or three characters rather than um, – well, and all our favorite around. characters, which was kind of surprising. Um, I did like, well, I didn't like it, but it actually is refreshing, even if I didn't like it. Was Bar- Derek? Derek Dundarian. Yeah, he his death. We find out was just was like Theon's death, which is they were planned for by quote unquote the the God the of Lord Fire, of Light, or the whatever. Lord of Light, or whatever yeah. his name is, and. They didn't seem like they were that important in the, the smaller picture, but in, I guess in the bigger picture, they were important. But again, everything led up to the one moment. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, Which is and, kind of funny because we all thought, you know, their deaths or specifically Derek's was going to be more dramatic. People were predicting that, oh, since he has the sword, he's going to do this mm-hmm. or that. And, and it was more of a just a defense type of thing, but Mike, you insist on Yeah, well, literally everything now, when you look at it in hindsight, whether this was their intent or not, um, because my understanding is the Night King is not an actual thing in the books. 
At um, least, at least not. Yeah, I mean, not yet. Not yet, right? Right. I, obviously, he must because I, I doubt George R. R. Martin would have been on board if you know. To, or just to might create, have been. A, they would just create that whole character for the show, you know. Or that might just as it might have worked visually that in a way that wouldn't be necessary in a book, but. Um, it is clear now that all everything with Melisandre and everything with Barak Dondarrion is all about saving Arya so she can kill the Night King. That is correct. Um, right. Mm-hmm. The, the problem with having omniscient characters or characters who can see the future, and Bran is certainly at the point he sees the future, he sees the, the past. And, and the present. And, and, and just creeps people out in the present. Um, <laughs> is that it allows them to have those characters do things that what do we seem, do for love. Well, that seem to not make a lot of sense to the audience. And you can justify it by saying, don't worry, they know what they're doing. So for example, why would Jon Snow tell Daenerys at the worst possible time? Well, and why did, because, well, well, because he's an idiot, because he's an idiot. But why, so why did have, why did Bran have Sam tell John when he did? It's because, because if he it's didn't, out of the he, plan. It's part of the grand plan. It's a small thing, okay. but it's part of the grand plan. Now, of course, this is all fiction, and so the grand plan would have worked out whether he was told or not. You know, it was just dramatically appropriate, but you can argue, well, why did it happen this way? How did Melisandre know to come right then and there? She saw it in a vision. Or she saw it in a vision. But she's a witch! It is. She did not just come out of nowhere. It was foretold. No. Right. So, so, so that's the nice thing about those about plot contrivances, at least for those two characters, is they have a reason to have that as a plot contrivance. Well, and Correct. what I was going to point out before when you were talking about how uh, it's gotten back to convention when it started out not being conventional, uh, is that at the beginning they had George R. R. Martin's source material to base the scripts off of, and then they have lost that for a while now. Uh, and that might be part of the reason it's gotten back to being more conventional because they have the TV writers writing rather than George R. R. Martin. Well, and also you have a problem in that they keep killing characters off. And they kept killing characters off at the rate at which they were killing characters off. You wouldn't make it to the end of it. Yeah. You wouldn't make it to the end. So at some point you are going to get whittled down to the survivors because the stories are mostly told about the survivors, not about the guy who got shot on the toilet. Um, so at some point, the convention does have to get leaned, leaned into. There has to be an ending. Mm-hmm. And you do want to leave your audience or your readers satisfied. And, you know, if it's, you know, they just say at the end, ah, give the throne to Podrick, I think audiences would go, huh? Boo. Well, you know? I, th- I think that that's some of the complaints on the cesspool of hate known as the social media was, um, and some of it's legit, Um the Night King and him disappearing after this huge buildup. And actually it wasn't just from the cesspool of hate. It was also from a major uh, newspapers um, or I should say magazines or whatever that are now blogs on, on the internet Um, that all this was built up for the Night King. They felt, and then he's gone now and we don't know anything about him, why he does what he does. And so they felt that these seven and, a, and three episodes, seven years, seven seasons, three episodes were um, anticlimactic in a sense. And I'm not agreeing, necessarily I'm agreeing, but I can see their point and it, and it feels valid, that argument. Well, 
I can kind of understand how people would feel that way at the same time. What's the name of the show? It's not. Uh, but here that, comes the, the, it's not. Here that, comes the night. Wrong. It's you're, Game you're, of Thrones. You're, you're wrong. That's the name. I'm of the not first wrong. Book. It the it's the name of the first book. It's it's the, the name it's, of the fucking it's show. The song. Talking I about understand the show. that, but the only reason it's the name of the show is because it's the first book. They're not going to switch each season. It's title, right? So the real story is called the Song of Ice and Fire. Uh-huh. And they could have, and they could have called the show that. The readers certainly knew that was the title. Or if they thought the word "song" in it would have scared away heterosexual men, they could have <laughs> just called it. They could have called it a story of ice and fire, or just called it ice and fire. Or right. fire. There, there are a lot right. of other things. But George R. R. Martin's point, his story is the song of ice and fire. So when the the Night King dies, at this point, with not much information about who he was and why he did what he did, I could well, see why people are, are somewhat bummed or, or disappointed. I, or I, so. I'm not. I, I think, like, there's some people who are like, the Night King's so intriguing. I, well, no, he's not. He's just like this uh, evil he's personified. He has no personality. Uh, he doesn't speak. He, but he, ha- he, he must just have a raises motivation. the dead and kills people, and it's not very interesting. So I, I he's, am he's, not on that side of things. He's like Darth Maul or Boba Fett where he's got a, he's got a neat look or did one cool thing and people just kind of built that around him. I don't I mean we're we supposed to get his biography somewhere, you know, we're going to sit down with an interview for him. Then I was watching it's like will he I was wondering will he speak as he's approaching Bran and I thought I can't imagine a voice coming out of his head. <laughs> right. That would sound silly, right? That would yeah, I mean Let's even ignore the possibility of an accent, you know, uh, unless it was some an un- unearthly noise or foreign language. I just can't imagine a sound that wouldn't, wouldn't at that point have sounded weird. Um, Starts talking like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> hey, everybody. Well, I don't, I don't think that's what people meant. I mean, no, no, no. But I'm just saying to speak. It was actually kind of cool because it makes it more right. scary. But I, I think, you know, they could have had some sort of book that Sam swiped. And they and as they're waiting for him to come, they can go. Well, this is what happened, and this is why, and this is this and that. And this they is the rumor. Showed us how he was created. So I, uh, right. And I, in, the, in the end, the story is about people, right? And and it is Game of Thrones. The throne is the symbol of the show. The show is about the people on the show. The the Night King is not who the show is about. That's been the overhanging thread, uh, threat. And so, since it is what we started with, it would make some narrative well, sense to end with it. But I guess that's why people are confused because the story is called the Song of Ice and Fire, and he represents and he represents part of the ice. Uh, Jon Snow is ice. Daenerys is is fire. The Starks and the Targaryens. Okay, and I think that's that's that you could argue that's where it comes from. Um, You you. So again, I think it's it's about the people in the end. This is kind of one of the reasons why myself and others had thought on or latched on the idea of maybe the Night King flying further south. Didn't happen. It was a shot. I was wrong. Um, because that would have sort of circumvented the eventual war with Cersei in a different way and gone a different route. But they clearly want that direct dramatic conflict between them. Who knows? But it's and it would have saved the the Night King stuff for the end. But the way the show has been set up, there's really was no way to deal with with Cersei and King's Landing without first dealing with the Night King. Right. Uh, so I do want to I do want to take credit for calling a couple shots. Uh, I wasn't the only one, but I did call the crypt thing. 
Um, and then while I got the person who ended up taking out the Night King wrong, I did correctly predict that Dragonfire would not work on the Night King. So I, I'm going to take credit for that one. I'll take credit for the Red Witch. She's a witch! I am, however, Eric. All credit to those of you who predicted the in the crypt, in the crypt, in the crypt, crypt, crypt. <laughs> I am, however, calling bullshit on the on the, the rotting skeletons that punch their way through stone. That fair enough. Right. right. Also, I, it I was, understand. It was. I, less uh, so I actually heard. Uh, I was listening to uh, Joanna Robinson and Dave Chen uh, uh, cast Kings today. <laughs> Joanna pointed out that they had that one white that they kept in a wooden crate that uh, contained it perfectly well all the way from the wall down to King's Landing to present to Circe. <laughs> but yet these people were punching their way out of the stone crypts. Well, right, and I, haven't I, they th- shown I them? think that white was, was chained up, though. Yeah. Well, no, once he dumped it out of the box, he scrambled away pretty quickly. He did, but but he, I think his hands were, were tied, but I can't. Oh, maybe. I, I don't remember. I, I, I don't think they were, actually. I think it was just around his neck, but whatever. But, well, this, this show has a lot of uh, plot conveniences to yeah, make yes. it more dramatic as as we know because the I chain think, goes all the way up to Cersei's face before you know and it stops right right it's perfect length yeah um the, uh, have they uh, have they not shown them trying to pound their way through doors before I mean they actually did this episode right right mm-hmm. Are, um, is, I, is there a natural uh, weakness to wood did we miss one <laughs> I, I I will say that that um I felt the the crypt thing even though it was predicted. And so I, I had already known about it beforehand because of folks like you, Eric, that, that gathered that was going to happen. Um, I felt it was still somewhat anticlimactic. Yeah. It, 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 it wasn't, it was it wasn't be, that thrilling. Yeah. I right, but look at all be, the major characters who died in the crypt. Oh, there was a... Uh, no one? Oh, yeah. There was a... Uh, hmm. No yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. No one didn't die in the crypt. She survived and killed the Night King. Even even Varys survived, and I thought maybe he was going to croak. Once I saw the Red Witch, I said, "Okay, he, Varys is going to croak tonight," and he, and he didn't. So, so I will say, uh, in in fairness to the complaints about confusion, I, I will admit there was on uh, my first watch a moment where I thought Gilly may have bitten it, but that wasn't her. Right, right. Again, there could be some other characters that are dead. I mean. We, we're just assuming Gilly made it. We're just assuming Giants Bane made it. We're just assuming Gendry made it. But unless, until we see them in credits or see them next week, I'm, I'm I don't know. I am fairly certain that they showed us everybody w- that died dying very clearly. Uh, well, yeah, you know what, and that's probably true. But it wouldn't surprise me if next week they say, Hey, where's Gilly? And, and, and they start searching and they find her corpse with uh, a bunch of other corpses or something. But you, you're probably right. It's probably not going to be that way a- again, especially as Mike said, they're getting more conventional as, as they go. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is I'm still in the running for the pool at work because everyone I predicted had died would die so far. I, uh, I missed out on Gendry becoming a, a rate, a white. It's too late for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did pick, uh, predict Liana as a white. Um, I did unfortunately miss out on Arya killing the the Night King, so I'm going to have to make up some points someplace else. But I'm good. Other than that, I'm 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 doing really well. And let's talk about Lyanna Mormont uh, and her heroic end. Uh, I gotta say, uh, at first when that giant came charging through and just, and just like swatted her aside with a backhand, 
Uh, I actually, that was like the one moment in the episode where I laughed out loud um, because it was comical because she just went flying. Um, but how awesome was it when that she charged back and uh, and as the giant was crushing her to death, she took him out. Well, I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't think it was that cool, Eric. Because it, well, you're wrong. It was no, because it was. Yes. It was. You're wrong. You, you just asked me a question. I'm answering the question. You just asked how cool it was, and I said, "Well, I'm." I didn't think it was because it was obviously um, a pandering to the 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 fans of of her, which which is fine because which again, is everybody you know, who watches the show except for you, so it's fine. Now I'm with. Them. I, I don't know why you're taking it personally, Eric. That I disagree with you. That's kind of ridiculous. Well, you're kind of ridiculous. See, this is what I'm talking about. You're, you're, t- you're now being silly when all I'm, I'm doing is giving an opinion. Yeah, so stop the presses. I kind of agree with Phil here. Um, <laughs> I think I, I don't, so you, why that I, I don't think there's anything wrong with fan service. I don't understand why you think that's a dirty thing. I didn't say it was. I just said I didn't think it was awesome because it was like because oh, it was okay. fan service. Yeah, because it was so predictable that that was going to happen. What's wrong with being predictable? I, I, that just doesn't work for me as well. It, for for me, it was just it was it was kind of I got me an I got me an eye roll. It was oh yeah okay, you know because I'm look the the actress did a great job in a little role that was intended to be a nothing role, you know and um it's just yeah okay so all right the little girl kills the giant. Uh, I did see uh, a, a meme now where you have Tormund saying kill the giant when I was ten and there's Liana hold my beer. <laughs> um, you know, because they're, they're, they're you know, she became a, a, a popular character very quickly for obvious reasons. But I think they gave her, they succumbed to fair and service to give her a more prominent role than she necessarily deserved. But it's well, not the kind of thing. If you watch the interviews with the people who made the show. It absolutely is fan service. Right. They did that and on purpose. And, right. And that's and that's and and you know that's fine. I just again, it just got an eye roll from me. So it wasn't an awesome moment for me. Um, so you guys see little girls. I got it. Well, yeah. Kind of. well, see, I know I like there, there you are again, being silly, and we're just giving our opinion. I mean, it's not a big deal. <laughs> You're yeah, taking I mean, like Sansa, seriously. I like Daria. So I, know, I just like playing the straight man. <laughs> um, but um, then she turns into a white. Yeah. But that was, was another thing horrible. that I felt I was disappointed about this episode was. That even though some of the other characters that died that we've been following, even though some of them were were, were lesser characters like Ed and, and Lady Mormont, I thought, and a lot of fans online figured this was going to happen, and it, it didn't turn out that way, was that characters that we knew would come back to life and our other characters that we liked would have to fight and kill those characters, and, and they never got there. No, because uh, Arya took them all out with one swift stab. Right. Which let's point out if we're going to if we are going to point out whether it's to criticize or just to point out fan service like Liana Mormont, you know, getting taken down. Let's point out that they did not go with the fan service of um, somebody having to fight their undead best friend. Right. So there was some fan service that was done that was there, but there was some fan service that was denied. You know, and some of the fan service is coming naturally out of story. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, and it's just that the fans are following the story and predict where it's going and want to see it happen. Others are fans just having wishful thinking, you know. Right. Like, well, for example, Clegane Bowl. 
there's been nothing in the show that's ever said this is something that's destined to happen. Well, they hinted at it. They hinted they, at it, and, and, and well, it's not as something destined to happen. Well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna recite a line. I I don't know if it's verbatim. It's pretty close though. Okay. When they were down in King's Landing with Cersei, showing her the white, when uh, when the Hound walked up to the mountain and said, uh, something along the lines of, "Are you in there? Yeah, you're still in there. Uh, you can't be dead yet because you know it's gonna be me. I'm the one that's coming for you." Right, but that that's a character saying a thing. It's well, not I narrative, know. which is which is why I'm saying they hinted at it. <laughs> but, but that, but we also know that that had been out there long before that moment, mm-hmm. right? So it's not it's not going to change the plot as, as far as we can tell, fundamentally in any way. If it's Sam that kills the mountain, right? I mean, it's or the mountain. Yeah. Can we just tell? Uh, I'm so mad about Sam in this episode. Um, I don't know what right he felt he had to be on the battlefield. Um, Ed died trying to save him. Uh, I don't understand why they let him on the battlefield. I don't understand why people were trying to save him. Well, John uh, Snow been there. John Snow wasn't going to save him because he saw Sam about to get hurt, and he and, uh, he just left because he was yeah. going after the night. He's thing, like, right? "Fuck it, I got more important things yeah. to do." Yeah. <laughs> well, there are a lot of roles on a battlefield, including support roles. So. He could have been one of the guys. Know. He called collapsed on the ground, crying. Well, I support no, 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 no. I, well, I, I grant that, <laughs> you know. But I'm right, gonna he, say so. I don't have a problem with him in theory being above the ground and like feeding arrows to someone or that's helping what I was load the right. catapults or, or what uh, Davos was doing, where he was. Yeah, the guy being on the battlements, that that would right. be one thing. But out at the front line, what the fuck is he doing out there? He's going. What is he going to do? Is he's going to stare at all the at the, the dead as they approach, he said, but this is not how it happens in the book. <laughs> oh, so anyway, I got that off my chest. I was, I was a little irritated with Sam. Yeah, with yeah it makes no sense. It's sort of like Tyrion being Tyrion had no place on the battlefield. Yes, I think he's right. He could have seen something that was before the episode aired. And we realized most of the audience couldn't see anything, but <laughs> maybe he could have seen something hypothetically, but just cause he did it once in the battle of Winterfell, this is a completely different type of, Right. Well, he was the Battle of uh, Blackwater. Blackwater. He was actually the leader of of the city back then because he was the hand. So he had to, you know, rally people and whatnot. So it's a little different. Right. He's the hand now, but now he sucks at it for some reason. And then the battle that That um, uh, against Rob Stark, um, his father told him that he had to do it. But here, yeah, there 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 was nothing really he could he could have done. Well, and I think that uh, going forward, I think uh, Phil's going to be happy because um, I believe that Danny is going to lose a lot of her support because um, she's she lost Jorah. She lost Jesus Christ. Uh, can we talk about genocide for a second? Are there any Dothraki left in the entire world? I'm not sure. I don't think so. <laughs> there's a, there might be a handful. There were there was ones that came running back. Yeah, there's a few of them. Yeah. So okay, I imagine yeah, that's it, true. That's true. I'm sure but, there's uh, going to be a few stragglers, but most uh, of them for sure though. Uh, she yeah. lost most of her Dothraki, most of her Unsullied, uh, at least one, if not two, of her dragons. Um, yeah. So uh, a lot of a lot of what made her powerful is gone, 
and so now she's got to exist on her uh, charm and diplomatic ability, which we have been shown is sketchy at best. Right, and right. she doesn't have a right to the uh, on oh, a claim of the throne anymore. And she, no, she doesn't because it's Jon Snow. Stop it. Well, no, okay, no. actually, you're right this time. I'm absolutely right. <laughs> she, has, she has a she has a claim. It's just not as good a claim. Um, right. You know, everybody likes to lodge a claim. You know, the te- well, technically, if John died, but he hasn't. But if he did, I would be next. Okay, but he's not. But I right. could. And I'm but voting John. So her her claim isn't the the, the her right claim, claim by blood is not as strong as strong as John's according to the rules they have in Westeros. Yes. Um. But she has, and she's a up- foreigner too. So that, or at least they look at her as a foreigner. So she's not going to have as much support as someone like Jon Snow too. She is also, however, a been a better, better battle leader anyway than Jon Snow has been um, until this episode. Well, even you in this really episode, didn't do anything stellar this episode? <laughs> right. They got out, but John didn't really do that either. Um, That's what I was saying. John and Danny kind of fell flat on their faces this episode. Right. Her biggest it's, failure up to this point is losing Viserion, and that happened up above the wall where nobody saw it. So here mm-hmm. you have have a massive failure, possibly. Let's rephrase that because they did win. Right. They did. They did technically win. Yes. Um, but it wasn't but because of them. But it wasn't because of them, and that and and right. So she's lost at least half or probably more of her standing army. She still has her dragons, though we don't know what kind of shape they're going to be in. Mm-hmm. Well, technically um, she only has one dragon, because the other one is, is John's, really, now, right? Yeah, but I don't know if the loyalty was because she's still, you know, the quote-unquote mother of the dragons, you know, what would happen yeah. with Rhaegal's... Rhaegal let John ride him, but she's, he's been with Danny since he was born, so I don't know where the loyalty lies there. Right, and so I, I would want to see a specific moment in the show where the he show chooses John over Danny. Right, and and then I'll say she's lost a second dragon. Um, and the, but it's like saying she's she lost half her standing half her standing army, but does she still have nukes? Uh, well, yeah, okay. Well, since she still has nukes, we don't care about the foot soldiers when you have nukes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be a lot harder because you know this is a little bit of the the emperor having no clothes, right? There's a little bit mm-hmm. of the 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 shine taken off of her image, yeah. um, well, and and honestly, and they don't I, need her as much. As to. Well, and to be I honest, was, I don't I don't think she had any image anyway in the the new land, not they, in the north. No, the northerners yeah. are just like fuck off. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, I thought actually when I was texting Phil last night, I thought one of the best jump scares of the entire episode is when the Night King brings his storm down and they're up there on the dragons trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And John and Danny bump into each other on their dragons. Uh, I thought that was Viserion com- or coming out of nowhere. <laughs> and I was like, ah, <laughs> but no, they were just ran into each other because they can't see what the fuck is going on. Um, which pretty much sums up what they were doing for the entire battle. They, they had no idea what was going on. They couldn't see they were in a storm. Uh, they were supposed to light the trenches. They couldn't because they couldn't see the signal. Uh, the whole battle, as far as John and Danny go, as far as I'm concerned, was a complete failure. Even, even John, when he had a chance to do something, was charging up on the Night King for some reason, stops in his fucking tracks <laughs> instead of engaging the Night King in battle and lets him raise his army of the dead. John, buddy, what the fuck are you doing, man? I was uh, well, speaking with with uh, Sean Fox and I think Jerry Herring 
uh, independently on an instant message. And I told them that I felt the dragon's point should have been to burn all the dead as they fell. Mm-hmm. And then there would never have been any ability to raise the dead mm-hmm. because the bodies would be all be cremated. So I, I don't even know why their plan didn't include that. Well, their least... plan, if I understand it correctly, was to protect Bran. Um, and at the beginning, if you remember, after they watched, uh, and let's let's as as visibility issues for the entire episode aside, you got to admit that that one shot with Dothraki and their uh, flaming swords uh, just kind of getting snuffed out was amazing. <laughs> right. And uh, and uh, the, Danny wasn't supposed to go engage in battle at that point, and John tried to stop her. Because he's like, the Night King's coming, and their job was to sit there and wait for the Night King, uh, but their plan went to shit. Well, and I think it was a bad plan from the start, because again, John, who has seen what the Night King can do, mm-hmm. should have already prepared in advance, but again, we, we know that he's dense. And that, certainly that learned, we must people to hang out in the crib. Yeah, because he learned, one of the first things he learned with at the night's watch was you burn your dead immediately. Uh-huh. And, yep. and so from that point on to what he saw at hard home to folks who would be croaking on the battlefield here, you would think that he would have said, all right, one of these dragons, their only job is to incinerate the dead. So at the best, Jon Snow has a learning disability and at worst, he's really kind of uh, slow. Well, I, and also his advisors because giant Spain and Ed, that's true. They should have known better too. Yeah, right. These yeah. guys should have told them, you know, uh, that you know what we should. Why don't we use one of the dragons as an incinerator of the dead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's clear. It's clear that the Dothraki were seen as expendable. I'm I'm completely with you, Eric. This is the Dothraki doing what the Dothraki do. This was the like the undefeated army of you know in in whatever the world is you know in Essos. You know they have not been defeated in Westeros. They are. But with the only army that one could argue is was better than they are are the uh, unsullied, right? And the unsullied they're on the same take, side. And actually, they're on the same the, side. Actually, the the ones that Cersei just hired. Uh, I don't even know about that. I don't. Compass. I don't know what their Golden. track record is, to be honest. I know it's good, but the the, the and the Dothraki. I'm just saying they're not reteaching the Dothraki their military tactics. You know, this, this basically the Mongol horde is not going to stop and suddenly learn 19th century cavalry formations, you know, <laughs> yes, in, in a couple a good of days. Um, and they said, well, you know, they only built one trench. Well, yeah, they kind of had their whole area decimated recently, you know, through the Theon's invasion. Thanks, Theon, um, through uh, the Boltons and the Battle of the Bastards. The whole area is, but they're just getting people in the area. The ground is frozen. They got one trench. I don't think they were expecting the wall to fall as quickly as it did. You know, they didn't have. You can make an argument they didn't have time to build the second or third trench. Mm-hmm. You know, and then all the other stuff. It's like you're talking about medieval tactics. I don't know enough about military tactics. Well, who knows what tactics they have in 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 Westeros? You know, the way military tactics exist is mostly through trial and error. And but, yeah, we don't know what's been tried there. I'll say one thing. Uh, I did read one article on. I don't know if it was a Hollywood reporter or whatever, um, that said the the biggest flaw was they stayed at Winterfell instead of going to somewhere like the Aaron 
or, or whatever it is. We're, we're robbing I, I actually, it. Um, I read an article today specifically about the military tactics involved, and um, they said they did some some things really well, like the formations of the Unsullied were done very well and actually based on uh, on Roman uh, military tactics. Uh, and they said some other stuff was done incorrectly. Uh, just for television reasons, like not wearing a helmet. They said nobody in their right mind would go into battle without a helmet, but we need to be able to see it's everybody's face. Um, and then they said the, the probably the number one, uh, as far as accuracy, as far as military tactics go, is they wouldn't be outside of the castle walls uh, in a medieval battle. A castle was a, a huge advantage uh, being inside those walls, so they would not have been out there in the first place. Yeah, because uh, in one of the early episodes, and I forget which episode it was and which castle they were talking about, but they said, why don't we surround the castle because eventually they're going to, I think it was King's Landing, eventually they're going to uh, starve and they're going to have to, you know, poly. And so you're right. They all could have just stayed inside the the walls and and that would have made more sense. Well, the problem is that they also are, you know, medieval... Uh, armies didn't have to deal with the fact that the other side had an Apache attack helicopter that could fly over the wall. Yeah, but <laughs> true, yeah, true. The, the, the uh, dragon. Yeah. Now that goes the other way too, but the, obviously the, the Army of the Dead wasn't <clears throat> in a position to have a fortified hold. Um, and anyway, the, as much as there's criticisms over, and some of it may have been very well placed, again, I don't know, so if that's going to be your particular bugaboo, fine. Um, I, I, you know, let's also criticize the Night King for why did he just not fly over and torch the shit out of Bran? <laughs> exactly. Well, because because that was the the one thing that John did right, and I don't even know it was John so much. It was, it was Rhaegal. I uh, was uh, attack them in midair and knock the Night King off and take and uh, take down, uh, if not entirely out of the battle, uh, get him out of the air, uh, Viserion. I, I would have liked last week or this week at some point someone to have simply raised the possibility of we have to be careful with the dragons because we don't want to lose another one, right? We don't want another one going to their side. Mm-hmm. Well, also, we, I we thought somebody we did mention that one point, didn't they? Yeah, I think it was Mike, actually. Um, you, I think you mentioned it last week, Mike. No, um, must be on the show. They, well, whatever. they don't need me on the show because they already have Sam. But I also... Um, think that obviously the Night King um, is a flawed character too, in the sense that he didn't protect himself like he could have. It. I mean, in other words, he had a one-track mind, and it was just simply to get Bran and nothing else. And um, I think I think that was whether it was arrogance or or something else. Oh, absolutely, else. yeah. Or, or because he's been just, trying to get past that goddamn wall for a thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> right, but the thing is, is that the the as we know, the three eyed raven was always on that side of the wall in the first place until now. So mm-hmm. he's now over this side of the wall, and he's going after the three eyed raven. But like Mike had predicted, maybe he'll try to raise more, you know, later. I mean, down in King's Landing or or wherever. And also, the thing too is that he should have been doing what all of Danny's advisors have always said to her, which is you don't want to go out in the field because all you need is one arrow to take you out. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and this guy obviously wasn't thinking that way. And I felt that was a little silly too, but 
maybe again well, it was Eric. at the same time i'm not quite sure what level of intelligence the night king has uh because he doesn't he's never spoken he doesn't really articulate his thoughts um so we we know he's good at raising dead things and having them attack as, as far as how good of a battle strategist he is who knows and you know are there just certain compulsions he has that that's what i'm thinking like that yeah. even someone who's intelligent right they they just can't help themselves you know dracula just can't help biting the lady's neck right um uh, if it's Anton Chigurh has to follow through with his ocds right um I also say this because this was my thing, and this is a problem with again, sort of the opposite of Bran, where we know what Bran's powers are, and that gives him a lot of leeway for do, for doing stupid shit. Because the writers can say, "Well, we knew it would turn out well." You know, when people say, "Well, gee, wasn't it convenient the Night King had those giant chains to drag Viserion out of the lake?" We don't. We don't. Why did he come down now? Right? We know he's connected to some way to the Three Eyed Raven. Um. We know that there was a force field protecting the Three-Eyed Raven, but do we know, like, does he have powers of foresight, too? You know, he set this trap I, for the dragons? No, I, you know, no, I don't think so. I, I think know. he always had his ice spear, um, and as far as his, his drive to go south and get Bran, there's a whole deal with Bran having the mark on him, right? Right, but I'm saying, but there, but there were people who were wondering, was that episode beyond the wall, was that an intentional trap by the Night King? You know, so we we can ask all sorts of. We don't again. The Night King's behavior can be mysterious. We don't because we don't know what motivates him. We don't know what the Night King knows and doesn't know. Um, what magical powers he has and doesn't have. So that again kind of gives them some storytelling leeway if you really want to push it. You know, because you can say, well, how do you know that he can do this or can't do that? Mm-hmm. You know, and and we don't and same and also for why didn't he do something? Well, you don't know why. Maybe. Maybe he's the only one allowed to kill the Three-Eyed Raven. We have no idea how that works. So torching him with Viserion maybe is not something that can be done. Maybe Bran would be immune to Viserion's fire just as he was immune to the to the dragon fire. I am not on board with that theory. I'm not on board with that theory myself. <laughs> no, but my, Mike's I'm point just, is, is I'm that just we don't out know, as a hypothetical. We don't, yeah, yeah. Mike's point is, is we don't know the motivation of the Night King and why he did or did not do certain things because according to Bran, his goal is to wipe out humanity. Right. But again, is it like Mike said, is it a compulsion that he just had to go for Bran rather than, um, you know, setting up different things Mm -hmm. and make bigger armies and always staying in the background, like a general usually would versus, um, putting himself in jeopardy where there was a chance that he could pass away. And obviously he knew the the Northerners had Viserion steel, and he, he probably knew that they had uh, Dragonglass, too, because, you know, Sam killed one. So it, it made me feel that he was either, as Mike said, um, forced to do it because of the, his makeup, or he was arrogant and didn't think... It would happen. I think both. Because he could have easily won the war had he not um, done what he did. Had he not gone forward, yeah. If but, he just stood back and let his masses do the fighting. But Mike may know something 
when you you said Mike that maybe he sees in the future too and certain things or who knows we we just don't know I and, and see so dead people you know but well and again we know or we have reason now to believe if you want and have for a while that there really are some god deities or deities running things so mm-hmm. who knows who's pulling the night king's chain right just as Barak Dondarrion and Red Woman had the the the, the god let's, of fire let's, since you mentioned that, uh, I just want to that triggered a thought in my head, uh, which was a, I thought a great moment for the Red Woman, which is when uh, she was trying to light the trench, and she's doing her chant, um, and and even though she was able to light everybody's sword earlier, she's doing the chant, she's doing the chant, and nothing's happening, and there's there's like the the timbre of her voice changes. And you can tell she's doubting her faith at that very moment because the trench isn't lighting up. And I thought that was so well done by her, uh, Therese Van Houten. She's right. Awesome. Well, yeah. Well, Raylor, right, is the name of the god. Uh, is, I, 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 I think you're right. The yeah. Lord of Light. So you have a mm-hmm. you have a god of the sun. It would make sun, sense then that there might be a a god of the night, right? A god of cold. Well, there's a god, ice. quote unquote, the god of death, right? Right, and maybe that is the god of death. If it's the, is the Lord of Light the god of life because he keeps bringing people back from the from the dead? Could be. Whereas the the, the other god is giving life to, is giving the dead life. Right. Um, All that information might be in that huge book that George R. R. Martin wrote yeah, just, that I've I not just, read I, yet. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was just going to say this is such a rich world. I wish they would write a novelization. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, whatever. Right. No, but yeah. I thought Chris uh, Van Houten did a did an awesome job uh, in this episode overall, and particularly in that moment. Um, and I thought it was a good uh, good send off for that character. Right, and yeah. I think it's it's a ni- what's nice about the character is that she was because she was opposed. Well, maybe not to those who were supporters of Stannis Baratheon, because but because of the way that she was presented earlier in the series, she came the across as a came across as sort of a villain character. Mm-hmm. I, I, never, um, I never looked at her as a villain character, but I could see why people would think that. Well, you know, they were murdering heathens. Um, but yeah, yeah, but I was a supporter of Stannis, so I, I was on Team Red Witch. Yeah, but yeah, the the there was the whole you know <laughs> burning children alive thing. Well, that that was the the mistake. Yeah, <laughs> until that point, but when we first met mistake. them, they were burning the heathens alive—the people who would not swear fealty to the. That's right. That's right. That's right. So that was there from the beginning, and then when you see this now, it sort of puts everything a little. Bit, I'm not saying she's a hero character, but she's a character that was doing what she thought she needed to do mm-hmm. to save, to literally save humanity, to save the world. Um. Again, we can argue. I'm not saying that makes her a goodie, you know, but maybe she's not as, you know, it also doesn't make her a baddie. It makes her a more complex and more sympathetic character at the end. And, you know, that was the importance of seeing her. Well, well at the end, she was a hero, whether or not she did bad things prior to that. Well, what I mean. There. Same with Darth Vader throwing the Emperor off. Right. He was a scumbag, a mass murderer and whatnot, but he was a hero at the end. Right. 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 But, we, it's like, but I'm just saying it gives her more shading and more tone. And which they even have ever since um, Shireen died, and she was like, "Oh my bad," yes. <laughs> uh, and then she's been gone, and she is like, "I'm going to go sit in my corner," and and I know. But you know up. what? Based off of how this quote-unquote Lord of Light works, 
she was tricked to do these things. In other words, these people were, were doing things and what brand says too, basically uh, people are doing things because that's their destiny, whether or not, in, in other words, even though they maybe it's like predestination or are, are we doing things with free will? Or are we actually doing things because it's already programmed into us? Right. And this is mm-hmm. kind of like that where she was programmed to kill Stannis's daughter and do all these things. And it was all part of a plan for uh, by a greater supernatural force, just as Theon did all of his things and Jamie did all of his things. It was it had to be done because that's brought them to where they were at that moment at that time. And J- Brian pretty much says that to Theon and Jamie and the Red Witch pretty much says that about Derek and, and herself. So mm. I think I think it's it's more more them not actually doing free will, even though it looked like they were. But the most important part of the equation is Arya saying to the God of Death, "Not today." Well, no, no, no. The, the the whole scene where she looks, the Red Witch looks at her, and he goes, "What do you say to the God of Death?" And she goes, "Not today." Mm-hmm. Or something like that. And and that was awesome. That was awesome. And it's it's like it, it's not the first time the Red Witch has pulled a quote out of a scene she wasn't in. Uh, which is really kind of creepy. You know nothing, you stop John and think Snow. About it. Yeah, you, you know nothing, John Snow. And John's just like, huh? <laughs> so when she says, all right, what do we say to the guy to death? She's like, not today. Well, and I think that scenes like those two scenes we just mentioned makes me believe that she has some sort of uh, scene. Power. But yeah, so, yeah ex- exactly. Rather than just uh, magic and things of that nature. You know, because obviously she said that intentionally. Obviously, she knew mm-hmm. Barrack was was gonna uh, basically die for Arya, and obviously she was there for the same reason to make sure the Night King got taken out, right. and and Bran most likely the same thing. So it's it's just interesting how two different seers that believe different things came to the same conclusion, right. whether it was right. Bran or the Red Witch. And and at the end, you realize, like with the way she she goes out, this is a burden that she's carried. She has not been like keeping herself alive with dark magics because she doesn't want to die. She's had a she's had a burden to carry. Or at least that's how I read it, right? She mm-hmm. she takes off her necklace at the end, and that's why we see the scene with the necklace back in season four or five. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that she survived, and who knows how she's feeling on the inside? You know, at that age. Um, and she's letting go and just fades away because her job is finally done. And, mm. you know, again, that's where you, you, it, it ends up seeing her in a different light. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So she wasn't living uh, as a young person intentionally. She was doing it because her ultimate goal was to get the savior to kill the Night King, and whether it was Stannis, whether it was Jon Snow, or whether it was Arya, or a combination of everything, to get to a point where the Night King would die, that was her only point after her natural life expectancy uh, was extended, I would think. Mm -hmm. She just had no idea when or where. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Those pesky, unspecific visions. Uh, so how do we feel about Theon? He's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Um, 
Well, any th- emotion th- there? This any, was one. Any sadness? This was one. Uh, I think that was funny. Like makes like as Mike said, the show is becoming more uh, like other shows. Every Ironborn is dead except him. In, in other words, he's a twenty-fifth level fighter, and all the third-level fighters were killed off, and he's still there. You know, and so it's just him and Bran, and every, all the other guys that were there, Ironborn are dead, which was very convenient. Um, but for your point, Eric, which is what did we fail when Theon died? Um, I, w- I, w- I guess I was a, a bit sad because I figured that he was going to die anyway in this episode. And so when he did die, I was sad because, well, it was kind of predictable. So it would have been kind of cool to see him make it. And but I mean, the scene was well done, right? Oh, yeah. 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 I um well what Brand said too, that was great. I mean That was great. Yeah. yeah. No, thinking back at, at the end of the series as we are coming, you know, you want to look back and I'm realizing that if you really when you get down to it, Theon was one of the bigger villains of the show in a weird way. You know, yeah. if you just look at who did some of the most despicable things, you have Ramsey uh, and you, you have the Boltons, right? You have Cersei. You have uh, mm-hmm. um, you know a lot of the stuff like that Tyrion did. Uh, not Tyrion, or Tywin did. You know, was was a little bit, I think, somewhat more understandable. It's yeah, he was more I, and, a politician trying to make sure right. that. Yeah. And I totally understand, and that's one of the things I loved about Theon's character, why he did the things he did, right? Because he was put in such a horrible <laughs> position, and. Uh, like I, uh, I think I said this back in season two or three or whenever it was, and that he uh, took Winterfell. Um, <laughs> is that okay? There are people in this series who are are do evil things because th- they're evil, uh, like the phrase in the Red Wedding. Um, but Theon, Daddy I don't issues. think it, Theon didn't do anything because he's inherently evil he did evil things because he's he's dumb and cowardly <laughs> i don't even know if he's dumb or cowardly i think it is he it's behavioral health issues where he was dumped by his father he yeah he's was, got he's he, got he, daddy he, issues he was, for sure he was loved by the stocks but uh-huh. he still was an outsider he, he would never be an equal to the brothers or the sisters and he right, right. and so i think he just had behavioral health issues because of that those things that happened to him. And so he did evil acts, which were specifically t- betraying Rob Stark and whatnot, specifically because he was trying to get back into an identity. He was looking for an identity and he thought he wasn't going to get it with the Starks because he was always never going to be a Stark. So he felt that he was a great joy. So you'd think they would take him, you know, someone to Israel would take Jews or whatever, but he was poo-pooed by his father and to prove, try to regain mm-hmm. the love. He was a dumbass, and he, um, took Winterfell. And of course it just made his father laugh at him even more when had he said, you know what? I'm not a Stark, but I could be a Stark general because Rob was using him as his, basically his hand. Mm. He, he could have just done what Rob said and he could have been a, uh, one of the leaders of the North after the fact, but unfortunately it, the, the not being a Stark was enough to make him screw up. I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a character who's lost seeking validation, seeking, you know, 
something recognition. But let's remember what he did. He betrayed. He betrayed his his Ned Stark, who was a better father to him than his actual father was. Mm-hmm. Um, he 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 he, and he did bad things to people that raised him, and he murdered two innocent boys. We assume. I mean, maybe they were sociopaths, but he murdered <laughs> two innocent boys because to cover up for the fact that he couldn't find Brandon Rickon, right. um, mm-hmm. who he would have then killed if he had gotten them so that he can look like a man in front of the other Bolton, uh, not Bolton, uh, 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 great, great joy flunkies. And, you know, that's, terrible things for terrible reasons and uh, you know he's he's you know and th- those are really hard sins to completely redeem and wash away mm-hmm. and he'll deal with that you know in the afterlife sure, in the afterlife with whatever gods they have there mm-hmm. um assuming there is an afterlife well yeah, assuming there is one there um but uh, if he could be redeemed, this is as close to a redemption as he right. as he's ever going to get. I mean, he went out protecting Bran. He he took out Lord how, knows how many whites uh, in well, the process, and he got the validation he'd been seeking from Bran before he died. So that was kind of cool, right? Well, and and that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that he had he was predestined to do those bad things and to be the son that was going to be the non-Stark and all these other things based off of what Bran said. Bran said. Just like you said to Jamie, you have to do these things to be here and be the person you are today, because today is your destiny, not the things that you had to do to get here, basically. And so (laughs) I think based off of how this world is now being portrayed, where these people are doing things without knowing that they're supposed to do it, in other words, they're predestined to do it, I don't think he's guilty of anything based off of how Bran and the Red Witch have been talking to them, saying, you know, you know what I'm saying? So it sounds like you're coming around to the point of view where is, uh, there, there's not really good or bad. There's the way things are supposed to be. And this is the way things are supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, they're good and bad, but as, as defined, but they're done for another reason, not because of necessary free will. Hmm. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I personally I, have have issues with the uh, the uh, concept of there being no free will, but we're talking about a fictional universe, so I don't really care. Well, but even if there is free will, you know, a lot of times there are choices presented to us, which even though we have free choice, we're always going to make the, the, the same choice regardless, right? If you have... Uh, if you give me a choice to watch Night of the Living Dead or Steel Magnolias, I'm never watching Steel Magnolias. <laughs> right. It's not that Steel Magnolias is a bad film. Um, it's just not what I have Right. You, if you give me a choice between chocolate ice cream or butter pecan, I'm going with chocolate. It's just the way that that works. And mm-hmm. so you can have free will and still know what the person will do. Right. And Theon may have chosen his things, but even though he had free choice to do it based on the nature of who he was, that really meant he was going to go do something else. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and what appears to be also a supernatural force that may be controlling people more than we expected. 
because you because you needed Theon there, and nobody else would have been able to do that job as well. Like I don't know, Arya. I, I I guess I <laughs> guess that's that's what she had other jobs. Mike Brand Brand is implying by saying that to Jamie and saying that to to Theon, unless he's just being kind to make them feel better because they were dinks. I don't know. Yeah. On either way, I mean, I, either way, it was nice that Brand said that to him because he knew he was on his way out. So he's like, let's throw him a bone. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, what, what else? Um, oh, how good was the library scene? Uh, yeah, that was the uh, Arya and the Hound. Uh, like, well, Arya it, was, it was a zombie movie within a Game of Thrones episode. It was right. really kind of interesting. Well, it was, it was Arya playing out her version of the kitchen scene from Jurassic Park. Exactly. <laughs> right, right, Excellent right. analogy, Mike. Excellent mm-hmm. analogy. Which is an awesome scene in an awesome movie. So that is not a criticism. Right. I want to be clear. No, but I, I, I enjoyed her trying to uh, to stealth around and then at some point just need to fucking beat it out of there. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing original about it because, I mean, how many times is there... Things well, that have not been done already. Um, <laughs> I was going to say this. This is one of the points I've been trying to make to you repeatedly, yeah. which is well, that something doesn't have to be original to be awesome. Right, right, and and which is kind of funny because um, I read an article about the movie we're doing Thursday for Dark Discussions, mm-hmm. where the author of the book said she was amazed that she was able to do something that had never been done before in a story, because at this late time in in you know. Uh, human history but we'll discuss that when we get to that episode but mm-hmm. um but here um yeah it's i mean it's like mike said it's it's the jurassic park scene or, or various other films have done this as well cat and mouse uh but it was it was done really well and it was uh, effective and uh the intent was to cause thrills and fright and i think it did for this audience oh yeah yeah and i i spoke briefly with a, uh, a friend and colleague at work and you know it's and we covered briefly you know a lot of what we talked about and he said oh but how good was that library scene and I, which i responded well yeah maybe that's because you could see what was going on <laughs> that's a really good point mike you're absolutely right i would agree with um, that but although honestly even if that if that scene was darker you, you know you have one one midget and a bunch of undead it would have been pretty easy to pick out what was going on anyway Right, right. Uh, the, also, I think she's the, not a midget. I, well, I think yeah, that was she's just a short woman. Um, but I, I would say that it was interesting um, how uh, to make her not the superhero or you know super assassin that that she usually is in that scene. They had already had her get um, uh, slightly concussioned. I was going to so, say she says she did sustain a head injury. Yes, yeah. and and that was perfect that they did that because it it made her character be able to be stuck in that situation rather than um made, made it, it actually see John Snow yeah, who yeah. came out and just started swinging the sword and taking them all out. Uh, I, I found it interesting some of the camera stuff they did uh, while she was uh, suffering from her head injury as well. They, they kind of made it blurry and stuff. That was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and and it still was affecting her with um with Derek because she she probably could have helped them or, or helped save them mm-hmm. if if uh, she didn't have that head injury. Mm-hmm. And and again, that that makes his death more important 
to the right. picture because mm-hmm. yep yeah because otherwise um, he was serving the Lord of Light. Yeah, he was saving her because otherwise she was dead. Basically, I also enjoyed that. This is not the first time they've shown this, um, and and I liked that they were consistent with this. With that, the hound froze up in battle because of all the fire. Right, that um, was awesome. And and that's the second, at least the second time we've seen that. Um, so I thought that was really interesting that uh, that his PSTD from uh, or PTSD, sorry, uh, from his incident in the fire as a child. Uh, has stuck with him this whole time. Yeah, and I also liked how he became the defeatist too. Even, even though the fire yeah. was probably he's the like, he "Fuck it," the, <laughs> he goes, "We we have no chance. We're done." And uh-huh. he's probably absolutely right. But um, I also liked how when he saw Arya in trouble, that was what uh, when Derek said, "Look, aren't you going to help your friend?" And mm-hmm. that was what made him break out of his his bullshit because. Uh, he loves our uh, as a, as a human being, and and so that's what made him say, "I got to fight." Right. Mm-hmm. No, I thought that was all really cool. Which shows that he is now truly uh, a pawn of the Lord of Light. <laughs> You're stuck on this. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, that he joined them, right? I mean, that's what he's been doing for the past. Two, well, okay, two that's months. fair. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, and and it was the Lord of Light. That had him protect Arya, probably, because that was the reason why uh, um, everybody was there, was because they had to get rid of the Night King, and Arya was, was the person that was supposed to do it, at least what the Red Witch said. I, yeah, well, I don't know if it's 100% the Lord of Light, though, because I have a feeling that uh, there's there's been a better guy inside the Hound this whole time, and he's just finally uh, letting down his guard and letting that happen. Which, I agree. Which, which we saw with with uh, with uh, Sansa and uh, way back in season two, mm-hmm. right yeah. when he saves her from being being uh, right. assaulted by the mob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and but he really, even said, he even said to her, "He goes, if you want, let's get the hell out of here, and I'll take you with me." And she decided not to, but he was willing to get her back to Winterfell. And and by the way, there are uh, Sansa hound shippers out there. Just to return to an earlier uh, discussion. There you go. Oh, I'm sure there's an Arya uh, and hounds, hounds as well. Yeah, that which I don't know which one I actually find creepier at this point. <laughs> right? <laughs> do we want her to be in a relationship with the guy that saved her from being raped? Which is just kind of I don't know why I find it particularly creepy, but I do. Or the one who knew her, the or the relationship with the 13 year old, mm. or the girl that he knew when she was like 13. I don't know. They're both they're both creepy. Yes. Yes, indeed. But he doesn't think that way. It's only the shippers. I have to. I wonder, I have to wonder if uh, if we would have these issues if he was handsome. Um, I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah. That is a good point. But yeah, he's not. So who cares? we could be prejudiced against him because he's scarified. Yeah. 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 But some people are into that. <laughs> that's true. Some people do it on purpose. That's There's true. some people into that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling. Yeah, are we so? Have we got anybody else? Did we hit all the highlights? Have we? Uh, have, we um, kicked, have we kicked Sam yet in the last fifteen minutes? Well, <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, the only thing we haven't talked about was what uh, Mister Manila of uh, Finland said, which was the do ex machina, at least in his opinion. And I would concur. That, I think that was the thing that bothered me the most about the episode was I, I don't understand why he didn't see it coming. That's the way these stories work. Well, I. I guess I was expecting if it was going to be 
a character that was going to take him out if it wasn't going to be Bran. It would have been someone that we would have followed a little bit more to the point where they jump out of the darkness. And I think we spent as much time with Arya as we did with anybody in this episode. No, we did because we had the library scene and all that. But I'm talking about to get to the point where she was going to jump out of the. But then it's not a surprise. Well, I guess you're right, and and but also it wouldn't have been a duex machina either. either. Yeah, but a, a, a deus ex machina isn't, isn't just something that's a surprise because every movie has surprises. Usually, it's something that comes completely out of nowhere, like the bacteria in War of the Worlds, or in the the episode Beyond the Wall where. John's going to die, and out of nowhere comes Uncle Benjamin. Who has not right. That is a much better example. Who, who has not been seen of, seen or heard in that episode at all, and literally comes into the episode to go, Hi, John, I'm saving you. Take my horse right away. I'll die now. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, Arya... Well, two X Mac and the definition is an unexpected power or event saving a seemingly hopeless situation, especially as a contrived plot device in a play or novel. Now, I'm not going to go that far, but I think that the, the thing that Mr. Manila and I guess somewhat myself had is the character had been disappeared from the episode for about 20 minutes or so at that, by that point, And then out of the blue, just jumps out of the darkness. And I, and again, it makes sense if she's an assassin and whatnot. It's just that we didn't have enough point of view, I felt, of her character at that time to make it not feel a bit of a plot, contrived plot device in a play or a novel. Well, the last time we did see her, what didn't the Red Woman basically tell her? I mean, you, you know, you told you because she had said before, way back in season three, yep. you know, you're going to shut... You know, brown eyes and green eyes, and, and eyes. this time she pauses, right? And like, get the fucking hint, girl. Right. Blue right, right. eyes. And, right, and we're not talking about uh, Anglo-Saxons or Norwegians. We're talking about <laughs> the, the right. monsters on the not battle. Tormund either. Yeah, not right. Tormund either. Right. <laughs> Although there's always that chance. Still three episodes left. That's true. <laughs> but but that's what but that's how we took it in season three, and now it means something very different. So, it is sent there. Now, I think, structurally, it would have been nice to see some other moment for her. I was confused because it was clearly the, the, the Valerian steel dagger she killed the Night King with, mm-hmm. and I had thought she'd given that to uh, Sansa to protect herself with. Mm-hmm. So, I was con- so that con- confused right. me because I didn't know how she got the knife back. Okay. Um, you know, it and you know, and she had made a lot of people were predicting this because they had, she had made the special weapon. They thought she was going to either take down Viserion or, um, or the Night right, King because she had the special weapon. Enough people had seen this coming, you know, that this is not Uncle Benjamin rides in out of nowhere. And when you can see it coming, it's usually shouldn't be considered, you know, the Deus Ex Machina because the Deus is the the gods. The gods out of nowhere just kind of go, and everybody's good, you know. And I don't think it completely came out of nowhere because too many people predicted it well they also i think i think other thoughts was like john snow figures he's dead so he he jumps out to fight viserion and he knows he's about to die for viserion <laughs> what was his fucking plan and, there uh, but, but, well i know what, <laughs> what has plan. it ever uh, the been plan, the plan was had nothing to do with john being stupid and dense it had to be let's make as much suspense as possible mm-hmm. right before everybody what, drops what, dead because Arya is the hero Right, or, right. The dude yeah. X Machina happens and, and boom. And also, I felt 
Theon could have survived because Bran could have just said nothing, and eventually the Night King was going to come over, and Theon didn't have to go and suicide. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, I thought that was a nice redemptive arc for him because one of his big issues up until this point in time is cowardice, right? But wasn't uh, he, yeah, he ran it. away when instead of trying to save his sister? Um, so here he's not running away; he's charging forward instead. Even though it was pretty dumb, uh, I guess it was brave in its own kind of way, uh, and and that for his character, I think, was important. Right, but I, you could argue. Couldn't you argue that for him just to say that I'll be the person to guard Bran in the middle of the the, the garden where the the tree stands mm-hmm. was was enough of, of a bravery to to make him redempted? Maybe. Yeah, but but he he had to try. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, this is the guy who that. I'm not the- saying it was the best formed plan. <laughs> This is, this is this is the man who charged the Bolton army, not the Bolton, uh, yeah, the Bolton army by himself in the Battle of the Bastards. John Snow, you mean? Right, right. Well, so terrible I'll, planning. Oh, you're talking Theon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Theon, Sorry, yeah. I got this. Mike's tired. That's right. Mike is very yeah. yeah. And right but but e- but either way, you could argue both were stupid. Where, why would John oh, yeah. stand out? John is also stupid. I'll go there. Yeah. But yeah. Again, I think it was more to just show suspense right before everybody dies, all the bad guys die. Okay, so Phil wasn't sad when Theon died. Feel anything for Jorah? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I was somewhat disappointed that Theon died. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I felt Jorah died for no reason too. <laughs> I mean, I mean, first of all, I was bummed when the Night Danny King. Lived. Yes, I, I was, I cheered when when. The Night King threw the spear. I'm going, yes, Danny's dead. And it's like, oh, come on. I was pissed. <laughs> so I was bummed there. Because Drogon rules. Um, no, well, I didn't want him to necessarily kill Drogon. I wanted him to take out Danny. Yeah, but I'm saying the spear missed because Drogon rules. And he knows yeah. how to dodge now. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, but on a serious note, um, yeah, I, 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 well, again, I figured both Theon and Jorah were dead. So I was already prepared. Right, right. So when they died, I was like, bummed but i wasn't like devastated because i figured every night and then we knew and same with the red witch i mean i knew she was dead because she came right out and said i'm gonna be dead <laughs> i did give this episode a rewatch before we recorded tonight but on first watch i could have sworn i could have sworn there was a moment when danny took jorah and pulled him in front of her and used him as a human shield i was just like what the fuck i think she did yeah. <laughs> did she really yeah, catch yeah. it the second time, but, but but it sure looked like it on my first viewing. But I think he actually was moving himself, yeah, and yeah. she was just trying to get behind him. Yeah. Um, but oh yeah, well, I, the, I, you know what the problem with George's story arc is that he's such a, a a sad sack because here's a guy that's a brilliant, and he's also brave and he's also strong, mm-hmm. and everything he did the whole eight seasons mm-hmm. is. Is Danny, 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 yep. Danny, 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 which is fine. He loves but, it. but he should have done it for different. He should have done it differently. He should have said, let me be your advisor. Because when, when he advised her, that's when Danny was smart. And yet Danny never gave him that chance because the stupid sexy, oh, sexual he, no, he innuendos had between it. 
if if you'll remember, the reason that whole thing fell apart is because Danny found out that he was initially sent in right. uh, to help assassinate her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. But I, I, you know, at that point, yeah. All right, that's fair. But but either way, based off of last episode when he was the one that says, "Don't dispose of." Tyrion, and I'm asking you one, to do one other thing, which was basically mm-hmm. make peace with Sansa. Mm-hmm. Uh, it showed that that he was the guy. He could have been a powerhouse if he didn't act, if he'd done different things during the other seven seasons. Right. Well, you know, part of it is Danny being Danny. Danny is um, very hide bound in a lot of ways to to what her current sense of justice is. And the idea of loyalty and betrayal, she's very sensitive to. And so even though we all understand what was going on with Jorah, you know, and, you know, once she found out he had betrayed her, she was lucky. He was lucky that uh, she didn't just have him torched. Right. Um, And that speaks a lot to how she felt about him was that she let him get away with uh, his life. And maybe the fact that he came back, that she allowed him back. Uh, and redeems himself, maybe that will open up her eyes to other possibilities in the future. Um, she definitely was hurting for his his uh, advice after he was gone. Uh, admittedly, this, the, the second time he was gone was because of the, the grayscale. It was necessary, but he wouldn't have had the grayscale if she hadn't banished him in the first place. Mm, right. um, so, yeah, I'm, like I said, I... I I missed a lot of the emotional impact of the scene because by that point I was really struggling to stay awake. And I think, and and this was like totally, and now this is when this happens. Yeah. We all knew it was coming. Yeah. I will say that uh, I'll give uh, credit to Amelia Clark though. Uh, Cause I thought her performance uh, of being devastated at Dora's death was spot on. That was great. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah, would actually absolutely. give credit to, to both um, Amelia Clark and Sophie Turner, both of whom I think have been, have not always been the strongest actors on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I know, know you're, gonna, you're gonna disagree with that, Phil. No, um, I, even, I don't like Danny's character, but but I, I never thought and, that about her either. But and I especially found Danny, uh, it was Amelia Clark, like when she was cast as uh, 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 Sarah Sorry. Connor, right? Yeah. It was just bad casting, but I think they they've both been really, really good the last couple of episodes um, and very convincing and, and stuff that's delivering a lot of complex emotional stuff, like the conversation between the two of them mm. or some, you know, in some cases, you know, or, or Sansa's really, you know, how she's simultaneously man crushing on Theon and, and uh, oh, that, that, I think, I think that, that, that scene where Theon comes back, to fight for Winterfell, I, I right. felt that scene alone shows that the acting ability of both Sophie Turner and Amelia Clark are top notch because Sophie oh, yeah. runs over and, and the tears and, the, and the, the little whimpering she has for seeing someone that she thought was gone forever. And then Danny, or I should say Amelia Clark's character. In the background. Background, not understanding that, oh my God, other people are loved. Right. And, they, and well, for me, they just you know, I'm just, because I have the power, that's the only reason I right. have any significance. 
And I think it's fair to point out that these were both act- well, not, well, they weren't Arya or, or Bran. These were both actresses who were cast pretty young. Mm-hmm. They were. You know, yeah. and so, kudos so, to the casting department. Uh, well, kudos to the casting department <laughs> because cl- I think clearly they have both grown as actors in the last nine, ten years. Oh, for sure. Um, and they and they really have have nailed it because sometimes it isn't always the case, uh, especially out in, in other shows, perhaps. Um, so yeah, so yeah, definitely credit to them for that. Yeah, indeed, indeed, absolutely. Um, yeah, th- that's as Eric said. You know, ch- kudos to the to casting department because most of these, everybody, this is like, like some of them were pretty besides, much besides, tiny children. Yeah, besides. <laughs> Um, uh, Ned Stark. Everybody else on the show were similar to George Lucas with Star Wars, where you just, they just, you know, or or Roddenberg or whatever his name is, Roddenberry for Star Trek, where they just hired all these fairly character actors or unknowns, and they're all now international superstars in a sense. Well, and and a lot of them started out as children too, which is is significant because a lot of child actors don't successfully make the transition to adult actors. Right. Uh, you know, Macy Williams, Sophie Turner, Alfie Allen, uh, Amelia Clark. Yeah, they were all very young when the show started, and they pretty much uh, like I think Amelia Clark spent the majority of her twenties on this show, um, and Macy and Sophie were even younger. Uh, so they've all kind of grown up on this show and developed their acting skills along the way. And I think, uh, I think yes. it shows. Sophie yeah, and Macy are about, I think, are eight years younger than Amelia. And Amelia just turned like um, 31 or something like that. So, um, you know, nine years ago, she was she was barely uh, an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, go back to uh, if you own the box sets. uh Go back if you never listened to the commentaries. The first like four seasons or so, when they were still young, oh, giggle did, fest. Yeah, they did the giggle fest, right? They did. They did one episode every every season where they just put the kids together in a room and recorded them. And go back to the first season and listen to. I don't remember which episode it was where they just recorded the kids doing a commentary for the podcast. And it's it is exactly what you would expect kids doing a commentary in the podcast. <laughs> they all sang along with the with the theme music during the credits, and <laughs> right. and it's and it's it's just you know it's just silliness. Yeah. You know, at the time, it's you could get frustrated because you wanted to learn about the episode, and instead you're getting little kids going da 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 da. You know, but get past that and just enjoy. The, the, the sort of the youth you've watched these kids grow up and many of them you watch get written out of the show right like right. Tom like Tom and or whatever. Tom and, and Rick on yeah. and yeah yeah right right so it's it's fun but yeah it's 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 an it's an, again we're at the end so we're looking back you know so yeah all right anything else we want to talk about this episode um I'll say that I'm gonna miss the Night King because he's awesome okay well he is awesome I mean, not anymore. Yeah, well, the well, good news... powerhouse. The, the scenes that he was in, not anymore. from He's from walking to Bran, all the way from falling off the dragon to walking to Bran, and the scene at Hardhome. That's those, that baby. Those two scenes are were so are two of the most memorable scenes of the entire eight seasons because he's just such an awesome villain. Okay. At least, 
at least in my opinion. And I think Mike's agreeing with you, even if and me, even though you don't agree. Well, no, well, I like the, I, I love Hard Home. There and, have and, been some, and there there have been some great moments with him and his his army of the dead, but he's not really. I didn't find him to be much of a character, which is my only issue. Well, I, that's the reason I liked him because he was like Anton Chigurh. He's just like this unknown quantity that doesn't say much. In this case, nothing, and yet you know something is in that head going, and it's like hmm. this guy. He just he scares the fuck out of me. Similar oh, to yeah. Anton Chigurh, and that's why I love the character. Well, something to, something to consider. Um, I love they they when when the dead were on screen were some of the best bits that they've done in the show, but they're often very far removed from each other. Um, cause so, so while this has been an overhanging threat for a long time, it's never, not always been an ever present threat. Um, despite misleading headlines lately, there is a prequel series coming called the long night, you know, that is about the first battle with the dead or that era of time. Right. Which well, is and we'll learn more about the night King maybe. And we don't, yeah. And we have no idea. I'm just, I'm, I'm guessing if you know that this Night King may be that you know eight thousand years old, and so maybe the actor's not going to be gone. Maybe that will give us an opportunity to learn more about them. Uh, you know, and there were headlines because uh, what's his name, Brian Coughlin? Yeah, Brian Coughlin. Right. He his because his spinoff is no longer his happened. spinoff was not picked up, but they HBO was accepting like five different pitches and considering five different spinoffs. And the one they went with was not Brian Coughlin. So there was headlines that Coughlin, who had directed last week's episode, his spinoff didn't happen. But the way it was phrased, it made it sound like the, – the headlines made it sound like the right, right. spinoff was, was canceled. There's not. There is one coming because it's it's about the long night. I'm guessing there will be more White Walkers there. And yeah, I'm, internet I'm headline writers are getting on my nerves. Oh God, yeah, they're awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just for a correction, Cogman wrote. He didn't direct last week's. Or sorry, wrote the episode. Not Nutter, I think was director. But, but the thing is, is that yeah, you're right. I mean, the Cogman ha- had probably had a good pitch too. But I mean, they have only so much money. I mean, to, to do five all at the same time would be probably bankrupt them. So they had to choose one, and they chose probably the one that was the most interesting to the, the you know the people they probably gave little cards to to fill out what would you like to see blah 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 and i think the the origin of the night king story is probably one of them and it makes sense that that one would would be the one that they would go with at least for first you know unfortunately um i don't remember i just blanked because we could have the red witch right too, oh, she's a witch. Now I remember what it was. I, I don't know if we've discussed it. I know I've discussed it on other podcasts with other people. I don't know if I've mentioned to discuss it with you guys yet. Um, is that HBO has been acquired in by AT&T? Yeah, me, it was me and you were talking about it on American Gods podcast. The is this American true? Podcast. Yeah. So yeah, AT&T, totally AT&T, AT&T, AT&T acquired Time Warner, which, which owns, owns HBO. HBO. Yeah. And now they're putting out their own streaming service later in the year, which, which yep. will go up against Disney and will go up against Netflix and everybody else. Pretty soon there's just going to be like three companies. Right. Well, <laughs> the, there's going to be uh, Amazon, Disney, and, and uh, Comcast or whatever. <laughs> so for fans of HBO knows that Sunday night is HBO night, right? Going back mm-hmm. to 
Sopranos and even before that, you know, and you know, shows like you know, The Wire and and Game of Thrones and uh, um, uh, Empire Boardwalk Empire Boardwalk Empire and Veep. You you tune in Sunday night to watch those. Well, oh, apparently, uh, the Deuce. The Deuce. AT and T wants you wants to turn HBO into seven nights a week, which means they're going to have to do a lot more shows. You know, and one of the reasons HBO has been able to do quality programming is they don't do seven. Is they don't do seven nights a week. Right. So, I am not predicting doom. Because You're predicting redu- reduction of quality. Well, but you know what? If you have seven nights a week, if you're doing whatever, let's say they're doing 21 shows, there's still a chance that they'll that you'll get one really awesome show out of those seven nights. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think it's it's inherently a bad thing. Well, they also, could get, do, they also could do syndication. They don't, it doesn't have to be in-house made, right? Right. I mean, they, so they could, they could, you know, like Xena or something, you know, that wasn't in-house made and it made a fortune as a syndicate. But but HBO, HBO, you know, was notorious for just buying every idea out there that they could and then never developing them. You know, they just would sit on it. And so if you were a writer and you wanted to get something sold but didn't care if it got made, you could go to HBO. Right. Um and, and uh, oddly, that's why Brian Cogman is leaving, and he's going to pr- Amazon Prime, I think, because he's pissed he didn't pick up his show. So, right, and and I feel that I feel for him. He's going to land on his feet, but uh, you know, even then, I don't I don't think it's a good idea to have like five Game of Thrones series on the air at one time. No, I agree. Um, but we'll see what the future. I'll be curious to see what the future of HBO is. Is all I'm saying is that it will change. Maybe it'll be for the better. Maybe it'll be for the worse. More variety. It can be a very good thing. If it's but if it's bad variety, you know, then that's a that's a whole other thing. We don't want a selection of different types of shit. Yeah, right. Is there anything else we want to say about the episode of The Long Night? It was long. <laughs> it, it, it was, was. It was. Um, it was night. It was. It was dark and full of terrors. That's what it I was, was say. dark that's, and full of terrors. That's, that's what for I sure. was going for, Mike. But I, I forgot the line, so I like stumbled. <laughs> Is, well, yeah, what is the line exactly? It's the night, the night is dark is and dark full of terror. Yeah, that's yeah. it. The night is dark and full of terrors. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I'll tell you one thing. I think the thing that was the most surprising, as we kind of said a few times without really going into detail, wasn't the deaths. It was the non-deaths because, again, right, right. like I said, we were prepared for Theon to die and we were prepared for Jorah to die and whoever else, but. We've been prepared for Beric Dondarrion to die for years. Yeah, we were prepared for him to die for years. We knew Ed was probably going to go if they were going to kill someone in Lady Mormont, just for the fact that we, you know, there are characters that those were going to go just to make famous characters go because they aren't important characters. So I think the surprise was is that all these characters that we could have predicted to go didn't go, and that was the big surprise, I think. Yeah. And I'm not upset that there wasn't that. Well, my predictions are wrong, and that's what some people are like. But this is what I wanted to happen. No, it's 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 not that. I just think they could have gotten more dramatic impact, you know, with a little another death or two that probably won't make a big difference in the long run. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how it. We'll see the. Yeah, I don't know what they have planned, so maybe right. there's a reason. Re, maybe right. there's a reason. We'll find out. Right. Or yeah, or maybe it's just going to be quote unquote dumb luck, and these characters will survive all the way to the end, even if they don't have a big play for the rulership at the end, like, say, um, maybe uh, they'll all die in the next battle. <laughs> but, yeah, or, or, yeah, they could just 
have more dramatic reasons why we have to hate Cersei because she was the one that kills, you know, Tormund or or Brienne, and we love those characters. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, ooh, all these people that thought Cersei was cool now hate her because this, hey, you know, does Cersei have green eyes? I don't know. Hmm. Well, she's one of them Yankee types. So English brown type. eyes, blue eyes, and green eyes. Hmm. 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 Um. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. You know, what is it that they claim that there's some Azor or Azar or whatever? Maybe Arya is that one. But I can't believe that because that person's supposed to be like a. No, I don't believe the that. King or, the king or queen, and I don't see her as a king or queen. Uh, of course, the fans have asked this question. Cersei Lannister has her famously emerald colored eyes. Hmm. Cersei's does. Okay, so they're green. It's greenish. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So she possibly <laughs> could take her up to. Um, Maybe. Yeah, but but yeah, I think Eric, that's what it's going to be. They they're saving some of these characters to get killed off by Cersei's. Yeah, for us to hate her even more, or or Euron to hate him, hate him even more. Oh God, I forgot a piss boy. Do got to deal with him again? Yeah. Well, but, I mean, it's interesting now, right? It's it's just it's just those two. Yeah, pretty much is. That's and, all that's and, left, huh? And and, and the hand, Kyburn, uh, but he's not like Kyburn. We'll see really if Yara hate. shows up again. Yeah, you know, but I mean, I don't even mean her. I'm talking about for the bad guys, right? So, oh, okay. I mean, okay. The good guys, and now the only point is to take out Cersei. Cersei, and, right? And yeah, because Cersei, she really doesn't Kyburn. have really, yeah, like nobody's left on her side, are they? Yeah, all the characters are on, except for Euron and Kyburn, and and that's it. Yeah, because she blew everybody else up. Yeah. Well, and and she never really had anybody on her side, right? I mean, who was on who was on the bad side? I mean, jo- it was her children, and maybe and maybe her father, and the mountains there. Yeah, she was she was cool until Tywin died. That's what's that's when things really started going south for her, because really her life of cushiness had been due to him, not because of her own doing. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, you could argue that for all the people, right? It's, it's, it's well, yeah, Tywin was just the was just the man. Oh, he was awesome. He was the best. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he, he was on he, he was on the side we're not supposed to be rooting for, but you can't deny his effectiveness. <laughs> well, and he yeah, well, and he was was great. He was a character with a very clear motivation, which was yeah. to protect his family and his legacy yeah. and his country. In his country, and you know he could be fairly ruthless about it, but he wasn't uh, flatly malicious or cruel about it. Right, right. He didn't just he, he wasn't everything he, he, with him was logic, right, mm-hmm. and reason. You know, it's, yeah, that's and reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, if he, even if it was doing some bad things, and if he could logically and reasonably say, well, you have to do this because this is the war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, and he would be... The if, Lannisters send their regards. If yeah, letting yeah. his enemies survive would have get, kept get, got him the kingdom, he would have let his enemies survive. Exactly. Yep. All but, right, yeah. so... Oh, sorry. I thought we were done. Yeah, 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 we're done. Okay. Um, all right, so... Uh, I guess we can give our final final thoughts on the episode itself. So, uh, Eric, why don't you start, my friend? All right. Uh, I like this episode. 
there were a couple things I thought were a little bit wonky, but I think I enjoyed it more than most people. I didn't have uh, nearly as many issues with the lighting. Um, uh, so, I'm wondering yeah. if that's because you have a 4K TV. I, you know, I honestly don't that's, know. That's what I said to you, Eric. I, I honestly I, don't know. Because I, I, um, I know some people that have 4K TVs that also had issues with lighting, like uh, Dave Chen. Um, he has a better TV than I do, and he had some issues with the lighting. So I don't know if that's the, the factor. Um, but yeah, overall, I really enjoyed the episode. Um, I, I, I don't want to say prefer... Uh, I wouldn't have minded if a couple more <laughs> of our main characters had bitten it. Uh, that's what I was expecting, and it didn't happen. Uh, but I still really like the episode. All right, very good. Um, before I give my final thoughts, I was just thinking about how you know Mike was saying Theon did a lot of horrible things. Um, you know who else did, and we keep on forgetting because he's such a lovable character, is is Giant Spain. He mass murdered children and stuff too. He killed. A and didn't he fuck children. a bear? Well, yeah, but I'm talking about on screen. <laughs> and she was asking for it. Um, but anyway, uh, back to my my opinions. Um, yeah, it was a good episode. I don't think it was one of my top ten of the, the series. Um, but I think it could grow, maybe, similar to uh, The Wall, The Battle of the Wall. That episode, I remember when we all watched it, we, were, uh, we liked it, but we didn't think it was incredible. Uh, but rewatching it, a few times since then, I, I like it more and more. Um, so that could happen here, um, but um, I, I still think it's it's weaker than than the top ten. I could easily pull better better than this one. Um, but all in all, it's still a strong uh, episode in the Game of Thrones um, se- uh, series, and um, did uh, its job, I guess. So, Mike. Yeah, I would say of the big episodes off the top of my head, like Hard Home, Battle for the, uh, of, of the Wall. Uh, the Loot Train. Uh, the Loot Train. Even the Battle Beyond beyond the Wall. This the Nuke. The Nuke. Might have been the least emotionally satisfying. Yeah. Um, again, I have to put massive caveats in there because I was viewing impaired, and I don't know how much of that was the show and how much of that was just where my brain was. Um, so I, and I, I really need to rewatch this and some of it was going to also depend on what's going to follow. And honestly, some of it, you can't help, but get caught up in the amount of hype there was for this. Um, there, there was, even if you, you know, skipped commercials and trailers, you know, people are talking about it. It's, it's just, it's really, really hard to, to escape it. And so anticipation's high and that's often going to lead to disappointment no matter what you do. Uh, so we'll see how it goes over time. I'm willing to open that possibility. It was a it was a good episode, but also for me fundamentally disappointing. Yep. Uh, I think uh, when we do our series wrap up, which will also be the season wrap up, maybe we'll we'll each come up with our top ten best episodes of, of the series. Ooh, and that's going to be tough. There's a lot yeah. of good ones. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. the, and the hard part of that is because there's so many. Like you take an episode like Hard Home. Like someone listed, what are the best Game of Thrones episodes? They listed all the ten. It's all the tens with the major battles. You know, it's like or the major events, like the Red right, Wedding, right, right, like the nuke, the nuke. Um, Rogers, right, and that they they, and there are a lot of episodes that are that were phenomenal that didn't have that moment necessarily. Oh, the, the chicken scene. Um, right. 
And like, so you mentioned the episode. Um, well, let's take Hard Home. Hard Home is the What's last the like bad man fly. Hard Home is like the last twenty minutes of that episode. Yep. Do you, can you tell me what happens in the first forty? Yes, because I just rewatched it last week. Okay. Otherwise, would you be able to do that? Uh, I just knew it was Danny stuff. Right, and so it, it, he passed so, there's so many, through it. So yeah. many things. So no, you don't know what happened. So so much of the episode of the episodes are 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 there. There's completely separate plot threads, mm-hmm. and you remember the one particular plot thread, unless it's something like uh, Blackwater, where uh, it's all about one one story. It's easy to miss stuff. So it's going to be really hard to pick that. Um, but there's certainly ones that we can do. I don't know if we want to do top ten. There's only been going to be seventy something <laughs> episodes. Maybe like a five might be a little bit more reasonable. Uh, I'll have no, I'll have no problem doing top ten. Phil, yeah, but you did top like sixty films. You know, it just <laughs> Phil, yes, right into the turtle soup. <laughs> what, what is that from? With Tyrion telling his story <laughs> about how he, yeah, I drained, I drained my eel. <laughs> That's a top ten. Right yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. That's awesome. Oh yes. God. All right. Uh, so I think we're done here. Uh, shall I leave this out, Phil? Of course. All right. Thanks for tuning in and listening to talk about uh, the Long Night episode three of season eight. Come back next week. We'll be talking about episode four, whatever the title may be.